this is opening a larger box. And again, to not speak to something that, uh, you know, I'm not an expert on, but these sort of structural, systemic, racial issues that have been brought to light during the pandemic, these social constructs that I think a lot more folks are either being exposed to realizing or, or literally seeing on video, you know, not that we hadn't before, but, you know, George Floyd, he didn't want to be politically transformative. He wanted to raise his child, you know, and, and here we are now as folks sort of in shock, wrestling with a group, an organization, an institution like the police here to serve and save us with this horrific, horrific, horrible, tragic thing that happened. And which one's easier? Everybody. Welcome to Movement Matters. I'm your host, Colin Kurtz. This intro has gotten a lot more... Um, I've put a lot more time into this one. I guess I've been doing that more and more. I used to think that the intro was just a moment for me to kind of riff and make sure that I hit a few key bullet points, but it's actually requiring a little bit more creativity these days, which is a good thing, and I hope you uh, appreciate it. That's what matters most. Um, my guests today, two of them actually, they came together, Lindsay Troyer and Connor O'Hanlon. Connor is running for uh, tax collector <clears throat> in the township, and the election, the election is less than a month away. You're hopefully hearing this, uh, I would assume Friday, October, well, we're releasing it Friday, October 8th, and hopefully you're hearing it not long after that. So the election is less than a month away. And as you can tell from the title of this episode, we are endorsing Connor O'Hanlon. So vote O'Hanlon on November 2nd, please. We would encourage you to do that. And I'm going to try to tell you why. That's the intention with this here intro. And obviously, I'll tell you who Lindsay is as well. In short, she is Connor's campaign manager, but she is a lot more than that. Uh, first, though, two sponsors I want to highlight. Um... Native Cafe, you've heard plenty of talk about them. I'm going to say something relatively earnest. The other, I think it was just last week, the other day I went in, you know, to get the usual. And two guys that I've been wanting to connect with walked in right away. It's the first time that we met. And uh, it's just, that's what it is. It's the place where you meet people. The place where you meet the people you want to meet. It's more than that, of course. But at the very least, Doylestown's got its own... Cheers in a cafe form, and hopefully more and more so. Uh, we just stay there and hang out and get to know each other. It's a great place. It's a community hub, and for good reason. Hey, not to mention they have coffee. Who'd have thunk it? So a relatively earnest one. Um, <clears throat> likewise, Ortiz Art. Tony Ortiz is a good friend of mine, to say the least, and he's a local painter, and he sponsors the show. Uh, I've been very good friends with Tony for, I think, coming on 80 years. Um, so he has a lot, of, a lot of experience 
painting, to say the least. And he just won an award at the Phillips Mill Art Show. And he is going to continue to show you what he's got. I think he's a, he's like a, a butterfly breaking out of his chrysalis. More to see from Mr. Ortiz sooner than later. And I thought about highlighting Ortiz art because one of the things that you don't know about Connor O'Hanlon, one of the many things, is that he's a painter. We'll uh, mention in the copy here his his artwork. He's a painter. He's a musician. He probably even sings. I'm sure there's more that I don't know, but he is definitely a painter. I've got a few of his little little pieces, and they're lovely. Um, all right, th there's... Let's talk about Lindsay for a moment, because I know there's something that I has been brewing for me as far as how to how to present Connor in a unique way. I mean, you could just say, "Here's the guest. He's running for tax collector, and he's a swell guy. You should vote for him." And I do. That is all true, but I'm going to say more, and you can either skip ahead or bear with me. <laughs> So Lindsay gave me a very helpful bio, but I'm going to add to it, of course. Um, to say the least, again, she is Connor's campaign manager. She came with Connor per my request. I thought it was a great idea. The three of us had been spending time together. Koru has sponsored um, or, or has been funding Connor a little bit. So I've gotten to know Lindsay in that regard. To say the least, she makes him seem more approachable and relatable and uh, not just like the crazy comic book nerd, Thor-worshipping metalhead and meathead that he uh, sometimes presents himself as. Did I say that? I don't know. Connor, I hope that was helpful. I think it is. And you do worship Thor, so it's, it's not inaccurate, let's be honest. Um, but I did say that out loud. But So Lindsay, at the very least, has been working with Connor in a way that I think is very helpful because she has a lot to bring to the table. Um, here's a little bit about what she says. She has worked for almost two decades in the intersections of agriculture, academia, academia, excuse me, food and hospitality and public policy. Her recent academic endeavors will conclude in a master of public policy focusing on food and agriculture policy, and her primary research focus has been on the inequitable, inequitable access to food and farmland. She currently serves as the Northeast Region Policy Committee Rep for the National Young Farmers Coalition, and she is in the developing stages of farming the Good Folk Project. Forming, excuse me, the Good Folk Project which is a nonprofit that seeks to engage our community in ways that positively impact food insecurity uh, for people in and around the Philadelphia area. She is a former small business owner of a healthy cafe and bakery, and perhaps most importantly, she is a mom to a young school-aged child, who of course has become her primary driver for getting involved in everything, but especially local politics and policy, and least of all, working with Connor. So Connor has so much already to his resume, but Lindsay brings this incredibly unique layer of awareness and expertise and um, experience with regard to 
food, food insecurity, agricultural um, uh, awareness and education and sustainability, which is a pretty consistently important theme on this show. Remember the episode with Victoria Holderer, Phil Bresnahan, so many more. Stephanie Harris, there's so many. It's a very important component to me, and I think why, at the very least, it's critical for you to hear Lindsay with Connor is you will see that there's much, much more that Connor brings to the table because of his relationships with people like Lindsay, to say the least. So in short, big fan of Lindsay here. Um, she's been coming to use the sauna. She's helped out with some things since we've gotten to know each other here at Koru. She's an all-around swell gal. So here's the little, the creative layer that I'm bringing to the intro today. I don't, I don't typically partake in what I would call fashionable. Um, yeah, I'm never. I've never been one to talk much about 9/11, and, uh, and that's what I'm about to do. Um, any of the relevant holidays, Labor Day, Memorial Day. I'm not opposed to it. It's just not my style. Um, quite frankly, it kind of just. Seems like enough people do that. I don't need to add to that. I like to be very deliberate, if you haven't noticed. Inevitably, I am very deliberate. <clears throat> Most of the time. <laughs> I was listening, actually, just recently to a podcast, one of the few that I listen to. I don't listen to many, believe it or not. Um, and Steve Buscemi was the guest. I think everybody probably likes Steve Buscemi. He's probably one of those actors that... Who doesn't really like Steve Buscemi? It's hard not to. And he's he's involved in quite a few things that are related to 9-11. And he was talking on this episode about the fact that it's, of course, the 20 year, it's you know, 20 years ago is when the planes were flown into the Twin Towers and the Pentagon and the one crashed, so to speak, in Pennsylvania. And he's he's very, very involved, uh, as is um, one of his, I guess, colleagues in this respect, to say the least, John Stewart, in the never actually forgetting, so to speak, campaign. Um, there's a documentary called Dust. It's coming out that he's part of, and, and overall, he, I mean, he literally worked as a firefighter. And overall, the point is, he, um, he kind of pointed out in some very, sorry, the, the movie's called Dust: The Lingering Legacy of 9/11. Pointed out in some very for me, hard-hitting ways, the fact that nobody really, it, it's kind of absur absurd to think that we're done with anything from 20 years ago and to even try to operate like we're not still, all of us dealing with something in relationship to that is, is kind of odd. And to, at the very least, the firefighters, again, he is literally a firefighter, are still dealing with health situations, least of all from the dust that got into their lungs, to say the least, and um, <clears throat> post-traumatic stress. But the overall conversation really hit me, and it, 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 I actually cried listening to it because you know, I was thinking about how to explain this kind of situation, this kind of um, 
event, so to speak, which is almost insulting to call it that, from 20 years ago, to Griffin, who's only 10, 10 and a half. I was trying to imagine, you know, sitting around the dinner table or at a park or wherever, where, and, and we're explaining, we're exploring history or we're exploring something that's relevant to the overall um, flow of our lives and why that moment was so significant. And I'm only 35, so I was, I was 15 at the time. And I remember, so I'm five years, I was five years older than he is now when it happened as were probably many of you who listen, I suspect, uh, if I have any sense of the audience here. Um, there is definitely no way that I can look at what happened then as the ending of maybe a global, maybe global, to the extent that it wasn't already ended for some people, a uh, global sense of innocence and, dare I say, unity, um, and naivete. I look at that and I think to myself, there was, you know, we know, of course, that the government helped to, for the sake of, quote unquote, fighting the Soviets, they helped provide, they literally provided weapons, the CIA did all this stuff, and we know that it, it, I think we know fairly well that there's so much that happened, of course, in the decades, and obviously even centuries before September 11th, 2001, but just in the, like, brief context of my kind of upbringing, and my life, and maybe your life, and so many others, prior to that, especially in the 90s, there was such a, like, I mean, I, I can imagine people have a nostalgia for that time, and it's, it, but it wasn't real. I think the, the heartbreak I was aware of when I was listening to Steve Buscemi talk about it is nobody can look back now, really. If you're, you know, if you have your head uh, buried in the sand or you're like intentionally ignoring things, you can't look back and think that there was a better time or a time when things were so good. You can't. Mostly because of that day, the, the, miss, the myth of some sort of idyllic Western world, some sort of <clears throat> um, <laughs> kingdom of heaven, if you will, some kind of manifest destiny ended that day. If it didn't already, if it hadn't already ended for you, it ended that day for everybody. And if it had, if it didn't end that day for you, it ended shortly thereafter, or by now it probably should be dead is the bottom line. Because there was no actual unity prior to that day. And there isn't now in the sense of what it hopefully means to people when they describe unity as a value, there was and a potential and a possibility. It wasn't there. It wasn't. The idea that it was is wrong and naive. I didn't have anybody there in New York that I was close with because I was only 15. I had literally never even been to Manhattan. I moved there actually a couple years later and experienced quite a bit because uh, I went to college in New York. But at that time, I was very, it was very 
far removed from me personally. Nobody I knew was even close to experiencing anything directly, so to speak, that day. But that's irrelevant. I can remember walk, when we got home seeing my dad glued to the television in the living room. I can remember the awkwardness of the next many months. <laughs> you know, the following summer, I was uh, part of a school trip to, um, we were actually supposed to go to somewhere near the Mediterranean, but we decided the overall consensus was that's not safe enough because who the hell knows. So we ended up going somewhere else that was considered to be relatively safer and we had a great time. And there was at that point, summer of 2002, still this like unity myth taking place or this um, concept of America is like needing to be like patted on the back and like encouraged and supported. But that's dead too. That died shortly thereafter as well. Understandably so. And I, I, I'm not going to try to unpack <laughs> all of the last 20 years of how and why that probably has died for many, maybe not you, but many. Um, but it certainly isn't the case anymore. Yeah, because then I would have to go into like hope, the audacity of hope and the, the wisdom of somebody who I still think of highly as a, a Barack Obama. But, you know, it's all, it's all very messy. It's not clean. And the idea that it was clean ended there. You know, it started to end in the late 90s, but it really, that was the icing and the cake, the nail in the coffin, and unfortunately, literally for many, it did end with coffins. I suppose it's odd for you, you to be hearing this, except in like, all right, it was 20 years ago, Colin wants to reflect on this. Um, I never do. I don't normally. I appreciate if I feel compelled to, that I'm able to, it's just thinking out loud, essentially. I'm not reading off a script, obviously. I wanna basically acknowledge, though, the, prim the primary point is that there is no, even though there wasn't something to, there isn't something to return to, there wasn't something idyllic prior to that day, that event, that period. Um, there's so much still that is possible. <laughs> and to think anything else is uh, detrimental to everything. To think otherwise is, is destructive at best. I, I think people probably know that there's a lot of inherent corruption in the US government. There's a lot of inherent dysfunction there's a lot that just looks like uh, futility and it's almost insulting to our intelligence at times. But it is not only that. And there is a system that we do need to maintain and improve, undoubtedly improve. At the very least because there is that reality that we don't have a unified 
awareness of anything, even the myth, even to think in the context of the country that we have that, let alone the species. And obviously the species is more relevant to something like 9-11, conflicting, so to speak, ideologies and religions. There is a necessary, it is more necessary than almost anything else. I would say maybe it's second or at least tied with um, having a relationship with climate crises, as Lindsay corrects us in the episode, it is almost, it is more necessary, it is as necessary, excuse me, if not as necessary as having a unified understanding of climate crises to have a unified awareness of what's truly going on. And the gravity of the situation is such that even though, here's where I'll tie it in, of course, (laughs) Um, excuse me, even though it's a minor position, if you will, in comparison to Senator and obviously many other comparisons could be made, Connor for voting for Connor for tax collector does matter. And the main thing that I just felt compelled to acknowledge about him is of course, despite all of the, the messiness that is government, if you will. There are people who we can trust and put our, who, who will do the right thing, which is a cliche phrase, but it has to have some meaning if we're gonna move forward. And Connor, Connor, I've known relatively long enough, I've known him long enough to say with confidence that he embodies that meaning and he is, he is getting better and better at embodying that meaning every time that I speak with him and see him. And I trust him, and I trust him to know the right way to lead and the right way to work for what is what he would call progress in a progressive agenda and what is, I would say, real progress. So to the extent that things are messy, to say the least, um, whether or not you have literal dust in your lungs and you're dealing with obvious post-traumatic stress from something 20 years ago or less obvious but still relevant because you are a member of this culture and this species, um, I think Connor is someone you can put your faith in. So, probably should pause there. (laughs) Um, I'll take a beat, you'll take a beat, and I'll just hit a few other key footnotes. Um, I'm gonna just look through them again. Maybe they're not even relevant now. That's, maybe they're not even worth saying at this point. Yeah, I don't think they are. Yeah, I just looked at a couple, and I'll just say this one. You'll hear conversations with Connor about, you know, the distinctions between Republicans and Democrats. Um, They're not equal. I'm not at all coming from the position that they are equal. I am aware it's very complicated, and I'm not trying to oversimplify anything. I do inherently believe because I think we have to believe this and have to, it's almost like a biological imperative 
stay committed to this exploration. And the exploration is creating and continuing to discover a better and better way to communicate and to connect. And I don't think that's naive. I'd be okay if I end up being proven wrong. I'll figure out how to deal with that. But I don't think it's naive. I think it's, I think it's just necessary to consistently focus on a better and better way to communicate and to connect in all contexts, in every relationship, even with yourself, perhaps especially with yourself. Lest you become a little tyrant <laughs> and another extremist. And that's oversimplifying a lot, but it is true. And we could talk about that another time. All right, I'm going to leave you there. Lindsay Troyer, Connor O'Hanlon. It's a good conversation. Buckle up. <laughs> Thank you. What was that about Trump? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. You know. Like there the are a few red. flags. I've seen a few flags. Yeah, around. same. Some stickers. At least two. Yeah. Some very some committed. There's a person support. here in this parking lot. He's got one from 2020 that is no bigger than that on mm. a truck. A very big, of course, it's classic quite, truck. Uh, it's a modest. And it's that big. It's well hidden. Kind of makes me chuckle. Smaller than that, like the smaller than the black oval inside your hmm. uh, logo there. It's like, why even have that? Yeah, yeah it's really like, what, you know, refrain hey guys, he had. I'm all, I'm all, I want him too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, God Emperor. What's that? The God Emperor. Mm hmm. The God Emperor. That was the title of this podcast, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 That is this yeah. episode? Yeah. 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 Connor. Rather. God, emperor, tax collector. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm comfortable with that. I'm sure he is as well. One of the joke <laughs> subjects, well, I actually wasn't joking, but one of the subjects that we texted about getting into was God. Mm -hmm. I figured that would come later. Yeah. but It was later on the list. It, it definitely yes. was the last thing on the list, but I thought it was funny. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is funny and poignant, relevant, but not necessarily obviously. Um, well, gosh, the pizza was really good. Thank you again, Lindsay. Anytime. And the whiskey's fantastic. We can cheer again. We should. We ha we are now officially on. Yeah. Cheers. Yep. And you'll get in the habit of getting closer, right? Mm-hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I'll have done a well, lovely little intro, but why don't you introduce yourselves? This is a unique kind of show. This is relevant to something now happening and this will come out closer to when the election actually takes place so give yourself why don't you give a little intro that's not what normally happens but yeah it seems appropriate okay you want me to start either one of you, you should as okay. opposed to me yeah. introducing you again which i'll sort of have done in my interest all right but you know that i also just sort of ramble about anything i i do know i do yeah. know um, <laughs> so i'll just uh i'll look into that camera and i'll give it to my little spiel okay. and go What's up, guys? <laughs> I was going to do that. was how oh, I was going to start. no. Yeah. No, wow. you have to do it. You have to do it. Yeah. But, so it'll just be, what's up, guys? Oh, no, that's too zoomed in. It's perfect. There you go. There yeah. you go. What's up, guys? Connor O'Hanlon here. And today I'm joined on Colin's podcast, Movement, Movement Matters, with Colin and Lindsay, both 
here to join me today. But of course, this is not about them. It's about me. <laughs> Always. Always. I'm just kidding. But my name is Connor O'Hanlon. <laughs> that is extremely zoomed in on me. <laughs> and I am the chairman of the Doylestown Democrats. I am a candidate for Doylestown Township Tax Collector. And I am a number of other things. But those are the two most important things for today that we will probably discuss about and the host of the Con O Show, a political podcast that comes out every Friday. Yeah, we'll probably talk about all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems like the right theme. We'll probably get into some of that. Yeah. That's nice. Nice little introduction. Yeah. And you are, and I, yeah, you introduce yourself. I have sure. A, I had a fun intro for both of you, but yeah, you do it. <laughs> you have to do I, the what's up, guys. Yeah. <laughs> what's up, guys? Lindsay Troyer here. I I mean, it was it was special when you did it for him. I'm good here. Um, Lindsay Troyer here. I am glad to be a guest on Colin's podcast, uh, the campaign manager, amongst other positions, on the Connor O'Hanlon for tax collector campaign. I live in Doylestown Borough. I am. Um, an advocate for local policy change. I'm a graduate student just finishing up research in food policy and agriculture policy. I'm a farmer, uh, big advocate for speaking for folks that maybe don't get their voices heard as much as they should. And glad to be here and glad to talk to you guys a little bit. And you are getting very good at pushing his wheelchair around, to say the least, right? I mean, I yeah, I said it was going to be a hot girl summer for me, uh, you know, and so I'm building those muscles, not in I the mean, way that I I mean, it's going to be the I fall, said. but... I mean, well, hot, it continues. Hot girl election day. Yeah. That's basically what it's going to be. Into it. I'll push that wheelchair around. <laughs> there you go. You can start wearing plaid. Oh, sweater weather. <laughs> sweater weather. Fall vibes. I'm here for it. The Han Solo You're look. basically dressed it. like it's fall already. And I have been, and it was 85, almost 90 the other day. I still had the sweater on. When I commit, I commit. This is like how you would go door knocking, and you're like dripping wet. Oh, like, my God. I'm, yeah, I'm from sw- pushing you around. Well, no, no, I mean, this is before I was. Uh, <laughs> this would be like in July, and she'd be <laughs> along I was like, well, I want to, you know, I want to like look the part. It was a mistake. Yeah, it was way too hot for black jeans. Only the candidate has to dress up. Right. I know that now. Because then they suffer. The person that dresses up has to suffer. As you should. Yeah. We joked about how we, well, of course, we would do this show because it's fun anyway. and We're we're all having a good time anyway. Mm -hmm. We would do it regardless of you having um, somebody that you're technically running against or running in opposition to, however you would word it. Against. Against. Fair enough. I know those are basically synonyms. Um. And I know how you feel about Republicans uh, to to some extent, but uh, the the joke we've made about Lindsay is that she you um, make Connor seem a little more relatable, and I love that. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, tax tax collector isn't something most people think about. I would imagine when it comes to an election, you're not running for president yet or even senator yet, even though I think you have those ambitions, or at least the senate senate ambitions, right? Yeah, he's nodding. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll plead the fifth, but <laughs> if you were old enough, I think you've acknowledged it publicly. You would. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So tax collector works. You're a certified public accountant, to say the least. 
So you know how to take people's money. But that tax collector, uh, it's it's why is it important that we elect a democratic tax collector? This will be like the most actually like predictable question you'll get. Why is it important to have a so, tax collector who is from the Democratic Party? So uh, generally speaking, as you you have alluded to, I have a very specific set of beliefs, and I believe that the Democratic Party should not so subtle. Yeah, I've, yeah, yeah. No, of course, I'm I'm ne- never subtlety is not my forte um but knowing that you're electing somebody that has the same values and principles as you specifically you know tax collector is not a you know partisan position inherently now you and i both know and we've talked about this that everything boils down to some level of politics whether it just be like how you get your water or how you protect the environment which is a much bigger problem or not necessarily a problem but a Thing that you need to try to have some sort of system to do um but regardless the well, value yeah, and you want to do it well exactly the difference between mm-hmm. yeah scooping it out of the pond and having it coming through pipes well or an aqueduct or some sort of filtration or maybe even a literal spring that is accessible that you know is clean and um good for your body there are lots of different ways to put h2o in your body yep and uh you know basically i think that the values and principles that a democrat like myself would bring, especially a young Democrat is, uh, honesty, uh, my passion towards the job, which is like, not something I'm not going to, I'm not here to bash my opponent, but my opponent was the former tax collector prior to our current tax collector, which is Samuel Kolodny, who is we, our, our friend Casey's our father, dad. He's endorsed you. Yes. Publicly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, um, so prior to Sam's election, she, my opponent, um, had hired people to do the job. Uh, a deputy, which is there's nothing wrong with that inherently. However, I think that somebody that is elected to a position should do the job that they're elected to do. Um, which she was elected prior to Mr. Kalodney and and sort of and just Sam sourced it. No, Sa- yes, but Sam beat her, and yeah. then and then huh. he was the tax collector. So and he it, didn't outsource it. He didn't pay somebody to do it. No, job. no, and and there's a, there's a time and a place. Like if you need help, right? You can you can use the funds to do that. She actively like had someone else doing a lot of the job. Um, so, again, I'm not here to bash her per se because I think it's more important that I pr- put myself forth as the qualified candidate that I am, the passionate candidate I am, and someone that wants to be a public servant where, rather than being. But Lindsay's here to bash her for you, right, Lindsay? <laughs> I mean, I'm the muscle in in <laughs> this arrangement, right? I yeah. mean, well, especially because of the injury. Right, I had yeah. yes. That that was a, a role. Should have seen the squats we just did. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, that was an unexpected part of the um, role that I took on here as campaign manager and um, the, uh, treasurer. The figurative and, muscle, not ba- not basher. Well, uh, correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. She's my best hype man. Yeah, that's which, pretty much it. Which I do try, hype woman, yeah. to do. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. hype person. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, well, I would just echo the things that he's saying, too. I, you know, we have not, we're, we're, we're not going to spend our energy and time talking about, uh, you know, his opponent. I think we, we know how dedicated, how diligent, how driven Connor is. His experiences uh, in Delval with the uh, other tax collectors in 
I work and the esports team at DelVal. But as, as a conveyancer, an, as a conveyancer, um, obviously he could speak to his experience probably <laughs> a little bit better than I can. But um, but I've never met. You know, I'm I'm on the campaign because I do care about our community. It means a lot to me. I want to raise my son here. I'm not going anywhere. Um, and I really believe in Connor. I've never met somebody who is so driven. He's always learning. He is self-motivated. He's open to hear anyone's voice, anyone's perspective. He is strong in his convictions, but he's fair. And I think his professional experiences have made him so transparent when it comes to you know, accounting and dealing with other people's money that he's beyond qualified for this position. He would gladly be this accessible person to his community. He came back here. He didn't have to. Um, he's a young person that really wants to give back and make his community better. And it's something that I really admire about him. I think you know, his generation too is going to has to. We're the, we're the same generation. We're I mean, kind generation. of, yeah. He's a little he's a <laughs> little bit younger than I am, but I, I look to him with admiration because of the energy he has. As we just finished discussing all the movies he's never seen. I yet. Well, that's, we <laughs> can, <on>. yeah. <laughs> Those were disappointing a little bit. However, he's got time to catch up. Um, but, he, you know, it, it's the. For, correct me if I'm wrong, Lindsay. You're from around here too? I grew up in um, Central Jersey, so oh, yes, okay. that yeah, exists. Oh, right. yeah, uh, Central that. Jersey, um, folks will say, it, it, you know, it's not there. I also say pork roll, just for the record. People Anybody eat pork roll? Yep. Yeah. But I only bring that up. Obviously, um, you are from here. Did you go to DelVal? No, I right. went to Penn State. Oh, right, 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 right. Mm -hmm. The lifting in Penn yeah. State. Yeah. And everyone and can just tell by there. just what Lindsay just did why she's a great campaign manager yeah. like, she's <laughs> she's better at selling myself granted you know there are always the issues you of wondered like, why you were here no <laughs> she's a better in that paycheck guys and, and and it's um yeah which is zero <laughs> but, uh, no she's gonna cash that check but cash that check um it's a balance to be had right like you don't want to oversell yourself but you have someone like Lindsay that believes in you and that's the type of thing where like it shows that it's worth doing and that's kind of the mm -hmm. whole point is the whole point is that you can show like you're a public servant for all of these people. They believe in that you could do the job, that you represent them, and you're not going to be like shady or non-transparent, especially for tax collector, which is just a public servant. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I, I used the word ambition earlier. You are ambitious, but you are ambitious in an obviously mission-oriented, service-oriented way, which is great, mm -hmm. to say the least. There's a... It, to echo the key takeaway that I got from what Lindsay said, there's very little that seems selfish about how you operate, which is pretty profound. And you are relatively young, given a lot of things that you do and are, uh, yeah, aiming for. And that is pretty damn impressive. I would echo what I got from Lindsay's message as well. Mm -hmm. And highlighting, as I was just saying, not Penn State, but you are a local fella, mm -hmm. born and raised in the... Lovely Doylestown area. I wasn't born here, but I was, ra I was raised here, you know, since I was uh, 12. So you're born in Central Jersey, too. North Jersey. God. Oh, right. The Sopranos jokes. Yes. Bayonne. I was born in Bayonne. Yes. I think yes. we talked about it. And yes. then my, my great uncle, Rocky. Yeah, we're probably going to edit that out. 
Yeah. Yeah. We should probably should. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> Transparency. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Rocky. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you do, despite your desire to be, no, I won't even go down that joke. Um, we're going to make a gangster joke there. <laughs> so we, yeah, like Lindsay said, we don't have to bash or discuss your, uh, opponent. It's better to highlight what you stand for, which does seem to have an inherent kind of altruistic foundation to it. So that's pretty great. I met you very much just because you were out there doing your job, so to speak, doing your work on the corners of downtown Doylestown. And then I started to get to know you because you were the guy organizing all the, I think you were organizing most of the rallies or you had a hand in organizing a lot of the recent rallies. I organized the, not, I I don't want to say the largest one, but one of the largest ones. One of the first ones, not the first Mm -hmm. one. What was that like? The organizing or yeah, the, the overall, fallout? Yeah, the whole <laughs> the, the takeaway, I guess, from that at this point. So, I it mean... It wasn't that long ago. No, it was like a year and a, little over a couple year, months, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I guess, this is like, we talked about it a little bit on the first time, because that's like right after we started hanging out and talking a little bit. But it was, um, you know, <clears throat> I think it was July of last year where we were... I went out and I stood on the corner with like five or six people. Marlene Prey was one of them too. So Marlene is, that's why I always say like, I wasn't the one that just like organized everything. I just kind of, I organized the one and amplified it to beyond what we had. And there was like five or six of us. We were there for a couple hours and I said, Hey, you know, we could probably get a lot of people here if we just advertised it and just like kind of put it out there for people to go. And I put my name on it, which in retrospect, I wouldn't do again because of the hate that not not me. And I said I was interviewed on PBS. I was interviewed on a couple different places where they were asking me, you know, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? There was company. There was businesses in Doylestown, town, uh, the borough that um, boarded up their windows in preparation for rioting and looting. Uh, there were com- there was a. I'm, I'm aware of a business text thread that they have um, because, you know, my favorite comic shop around, Cyborg One, they were telling me about, like, what people were being said. And, you know, they were super supportive, so they were like, hey, go get it. And then the backlash was just tremendous. But um, the the one important part, too, is, like, when you go and you put yourself out there in this public setting, like, as a candidate or as an activist, uh, people went after my family um, and people threatened... Like, and talked about my parents saying like, you know, if this happens, we're going to do this and that and whatever. Cause people were just believing that the hype of Antifa and all the crap. So my, I lost a lot of respect for a lot of people that day, but I also gained a lot of respect for the people that showed up that put their, uh, their bodies technically on the line by being there because you don't know what these certain crazy people will do. And, um, I, I think it was worth it the whole time. And, People have responded, I think, in, in in since then very well. But that day beforehand, that morning of, I have the chief of police telling me that Antifa was coming. We had armored vehicles at my high school, multiple armored tanks at CB West because they said that Antifa was coming. And I had to tell the chief of police, no, they're not. And they never did. They never were going to. So, so that, that, that whole was thing obviously was obviously pre-election, which is right. It was the day before yeah. the primary election. Right. 
Yeah, and we can go. We're inevitably going to go macro. Maybe this is where um, I'll just acknowledge that, of course, the uh, releasing of this episode could be later, so things could change. Yesterday, you literally were just talking, or today, you, re- you released your episode that was pretty macro today. Um, but were you going to add something? Today being September 17th. I uh, I was in that, um, he's talking about that day. One of the things that I admired the most about him, he has this video, I don't know if it's public, I'm not even sure who took it, but this is the George Floyd rally. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's on my Instagram. He stands up and speaks to... I kind of have chills saying it. I mean, he's in this crowd in front of Starbucks and somebody's just panning that intersection and you see just all of the borough, all the people in every corner, every spot they could cram in and listen to him as he engaged this audience. I mean, his, his message was peace and unity and to be together. And I don't I don't think I could have ever had the nerve to do something like that. Uh, someone else could have, but they didn't. Connor did. And it is one of the more incredible things I've seen you do. I wasn't even there, but I wanted to mention it because I can only imagine the backlash you did end up receiving. We've never really talked about that um, for being there and putting your, your neck out, but it was one of the most powerful things I've ever seen. I feel lucky that I know the person who actually stood up and, and did it and was a part of it. I mean, it, it just speaks again to not just the weight that you, your generation, that age, I know the same generation, but the, the social political issues that you are now carrying the weight of those things and how you show up for these people that, you know, broadly, you show up for people where you wouldn't otherwise maybe be impacted one way or the other, right? And that's one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest parts of your character that I think is going to lead you um, and, and do well and why I support you so much is that you show up for people, even if it is to no benefit of your own. And that is a really great example of it. It's really super powerful and would recommend folks checking it out if they haven't. Yeah, I just looked for it. I couldn't find it quickly enough. I didn't want to spend oh. too much time on there, but I know I remember what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and doing that, what I just did, I actually could see, wow, he's the little, the brief, relatively brief time I've known you, you've, you seem to have really grown and I don't like to use this word because it could sound condescending, but matured. There's something that's really changed since I've met you. So that's cool. And you obviously weren't running for office when I met you. You I had already ran for had, office. Yes, but there was a very different tone, I recall, with you. It seems now there's something. Yeah, I mean, time has had a positive effect, it seems, except for your leg. Yeah. <laughs> Damn basketball. I think, uh, I think... I fully... You can easily see it just scrolling through the history that I just did for the last 18 months. You can easily that video see something from... change. Oh, the video, oh. but also something about you that's changed. Right. Seemingly, for, I would say, for the better. Well, Clearly, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I would... You know, this doesn't have to just be a hype up. I, I appreciate all the... And Lindsay's... Oh, again, we're going to break you down I guess. I mean, second, That's yeah. what I mean. Like Build you up and break it down. Mm-hmm. It's, it's... It's a balance to everything. And it's nice... To, to hear all that and it's just i think he's so special i'm just 
It's coming. I'm saying as someone that is 25 um, and knowing that like you talking about the rally for the Black Lives Matter, there was another thing that happened where that's organized by Joe Montone, the distance picnics, where mm-hmm. we had these freaking nut jobs that show up that at an LGBTQ. Extremely um, aggressive looking to. And I just recognized in the last I wouldn't say I just recognized, but I've actually began to practice what I wanted to preach all along. And it was more that I'm not gay or I'm not bi or I'm not trans, but I know that there are people here that are. And if these sickos get anywhere near them, we don't want that to happen because it's just they're threatening them. They're they they actual they're actively saying that they shouldn't deserve to exist and they should go to hell and all this other stuff. So as an ally, as somebody that I will never understand somebody's perspective as being LGBTQ or being um, African-American or, you know, being a woman, any of this stuff, I just know that as an ally and as like a big muscular man, I have to be willing to put my body on the line for somebody else because they can't do it themselves or they shouldn't have to do it themselves because I can. So that's kind of this. I think that's partly of what like when it comes to the Black Lives Matter thing, like. Nobody wanted to control. They, the police wanted to let people into the street. And I said, no, because then they're going to blame us for shutting down the businesses. So get on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. I said, we don't want to have that negative impact on the businesses because we're here to support Doylestown. We're here to support the people of this town. And the, the, so the cops let everyone in the street. And I said, no, 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 no. Go back on the sidewalk. And then they, they let the street back open because we want people to see us. We want the businesses to be open. And we don't want to be restrictive because of that because they'll blame us for this or that, the other thing. So it's it's having a full picture of everything and understanding like there's different players there. And I, I think that is part of like I don't, maybe that's not what you see, but it's part of what I've recognized in myself that has grown because I've got I've gotten to go meet the business owners. I've gotten to go and meet with all the people that are, uh, you know, activists or just people that, you know, are local musicians that were playing that day and they just wanted to have a, a good time. Mm-hmm. And it takes a couple of us to keep these because the, it's not like the police were going to physically block them from coming in to to um to the distance picnic and it would have ruined that event so it's just about the sense of community and just caring about it i think and using your privilege like you said yeah. and your access and your ability uh, it's it's one of the better qualities certainly that you have i think that is part again of this kind of younger group of folks it isn't only about what can policy or these different types of organizations or institutions do for me, it's what can we do for the whole? What can we do together? What can we do for each other? Uh, I think it's really important. I think we're seeing more of that. And I, and I think you, you know, you really showed that at that, both of those uh, community events. I think that was really awesome. At which there were police, police have come up uh, quite a few times in reference to that event. And it's not something we just, we uh, acknowledge discussing, but it's, it's appropriate. And again, tax collector, you don't write policy. You're not a legislator, but you do have, you are very public. In I'm your still the chairman you're of the party, the so I do. Yeah. You have <laughs> it's a, like a little you're political. Important. Yeah. yeah. And you represent something that is increased, you know, something that's important and not going away, which is um, the confusion I would highlight to me, that's the key of um, information. Uh, no matter what your identities and labels, there's so much information that's confusing. I even heard George Will, who I think you probably have opinions about, 
I don't know um, who he is. I, he, don't think. I think he's a. I mean, maybe he's not as well known as I thought. But even somebody like him, who's a you know card carrying, I think libertarian and fairly well known in his um, circles and, and older, still highlights sound bites like um, defund the police as a as a thing that people supposedly care about, which I think you could probably clarify and speak to as <laughs> not wanting, but having well, a. It's all about it's all about uh, framing. It's all about framing, right? If I told you that Bucks County, who is split, it's a, it's a county that is 50-50 pretty much between Democrats and Republicans. It's run by two county commissioners that are Democrats. One's a Republican. We have a district attorney that's a Republican. Um, so all of this is being said, you have a lot of things that are flip or flop, right? So you have things that uh, like they actually did quote defund the police because they reallocated funds to helping people in drug rehabs and do it. No one cares because a Republican was the district attorney. Nobody cared. That's why I asked. Cause you could, you could speak to these. Yeah. And that's what we mean by defund the police. Go on. There's more to that. I mean, it's just, that's what we mean by defund the police. I've heard you talk about it. So I know there's more to it. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's, it's not really about like, Oh, abolish the police or abolish the state or abolish this or that. It's it's not as radical as it sounds. Now, activists like it sounding radical because that's what activists do. But as a politician, as someone that tries to set policy, you know, reallocating funds from the police to that doesn't sound so sexy. But that's really what we're asking for. That's what we're asking is like we are limiting what the job of the police is are because we want the job of police to be easier and we want them to be in fewer situations where they can accidentally shoot somebody or they can be in a situation where they're not well prepared to deal with somebody that is, you know, diagnosed with mental illness or whatever it may be. That way it makes it easier for the police. It makes it safer for the community because the point of the police is to protect and serve not any other combination of words. (laughs) So that that is kind of the function of the police and how I see it. Mm-hmm. Sure. And that the appropriate first responders then show up. Like you're saying. A social again, worker that, or. Right. The term defund police is so politicized and it's kind of lost its meaning. Uh, and I would uh, agree to that, too, that it, it really means reallocation and it's having the right person I think show meaning up. Meaning is the key, the key point to bringing it up because there was no clear agreed upon meaning from the beginning very good point it was right. left up to interpretation and depending on who you are or what side you were on you kind of used it co-opted assumed it meant one thing uh, i think we do that a lot about a lot of political issues these days but for that in particular well, and to echo connor's and when we talk we use the word political in quotes i agree with connor everything everything can be understood you know that's what i said to you on the phone i wasn't kidding about everything having that glue you can call Mm -hmm. it political there is that glue to it all things can be political even if they don't seem like it and yeah agree go on (laughs) um no i think i was just going to echo that same you know i i've I, i don't know that i ever loved the phrase to begin with and it's certainly lost a lot of favor for me personally uh, I would like to see police officers, you know, paid for their work, you know, and 
it's a job that I could never do, really. I, I, I do ad admire it. And they're called for anything and everything. And I think that we do need to reallocate those funds so the appropriate person shows up on the call. And hopefully that will result in a lot less violence and unfortunate incidents that I think everybody regrets. You know, I don't think... <laughs> you would like to think. <laughs> I, I, I would like to think. Yeah. I would like to think. <laughs> Um, might Me be too, too positive but yeah it's questionable to what extent people have that retrospective well it does beg the question right mm -hmm. this weekend which Tomorrow will be in the past is a giant rally that's going to happen at the capitol to it uh yeah you can go ahead no i was going to bring it up too because it you know again none of this was intended to come up but it that's the nature of how these conversations go Lindsay. so yeah and and i believe and by the way that's asleep i don't know if you need that to be no it's okay <laughs> and we may, I don't know how much we can hear that music outside. It would be kind it. of a cool background. Yeah. I hear it a little. It's, you know. Yeah. It's, it would mid, be. it's the midsummer people. Yeah. Um, Blood Eagle. <laughs> it's the Vikings. <laughs> They're coming. We've got to end at a certain time so they don't get us. The uh, creepy little Vikings. Mm. Um, no offense. <laughs> we'll get. <laughs> the, Connor brought them. Just go. Just go. The... <laughs> You mentioned a 50-50 split in a very basic RD, red-blue, blah-blah-blah kind of way. And I do mean blah-blah-blah, but not to the offense of the parties, but to the critique of, again, the concepts in themselves and the ideas that people get so attached to in the identities. But from this area, supposedly the most people went to D.C., is that true, on January The 6th? most amount of people that were arrested that from were one single county. Arrested, yeah. From Bucks County, we had the most folks that showed, showed up to January 6th. Yeah. Right? You know why? I think, did you listen to my show? Is that why you know? Yeah. Okay. That's, well, we had someone facilitating. Yeah, we had Mr. Um, Newtown Athletic yeah, Club. you're going to say it. Mm -hmm. Good. I don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. I won't yeah. say his name, but. Uh, is there a reason not to? Uh, we didn't say it. He's yeah. one of the Trump's biggest, biggest uh, donors, Jim yeah. Worthington. His oh, name's right, Jim right. Worthington. Well, he owns right. the Newtown Athletic Club. And I know Trump was there them. in 2016. Yeah, he bust uh, them all down there. So right. I'm, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they were going tomorrow. Yeah. All right. So go on about tomorrow then, because well, the point uh, that I was going to bring up about tomorrow is that the folks that went and stormed the Capitol on, and you know, you've had a, a not a friend, uh, someone on the show that did that. And they refuse to call it an insurrection. They, you know, on him real quick, because uh, again, I was talking to Alex about that today, because um, we were talking about you and saying how you and Lindsay were both coming and we were going to be chatting about the campaign. And that the key distinction between the two of you, there are many, but the key one that I highlighted in the moment with Alex sitting in the sauna, uh, doing one of the things we always do, which is sitting in the sauna and chatting about business in general, was saying, look, I would talk to that person more often regularly if he was inherently open to questioning his presuppositions and his beliefs really that's all like you said i'll talk to anybody i am totally open to talking to anybody as long as there is that there are other ways of wording it but that is a critical foundation doesn't mean that they're wrong about what they believe and that i'm right it just means that they are wrong but go ahead <laughs> in general though i mean in general anything <laughs> in general is wrong but yes I'm just highlighting the uh, the key sort of texture of a relationship for me is a willingness to essentially grow. And that person has seemingly none of that in a very specific kind of way. Obviously, that's not you. Um, Thank God. <laughs> yeah, that's why, to say the least. But uh, you bring him up um, 
and yeah, he went on January 6th, as we know, proudly, refused to call it an insurrection. Yep. You know about this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we have had, yeah. <laughs> yes, we've talked about it. Yeah. So maybe he's gone again tomorrow. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But I've interrupted you a couple of times in, in presenting this it's, data. <laughs> it's not even data. It's, all it is, is all I'm saying is that on January 6th, police officers were mauled and beaten by the same people that wear that thin blue line flag, that wrap themselves in the American flag. They will call me a socialist, a communist, whatever. They'll, they'll put up signs of me with a hammer and sickle. They will call me every name in the book. And yet they will say, I hate the police. I hate this. I hate that. Whereas I'm literally trying to advocate for something that is very basic, very fundamental to reforming the police, which is key so that it makes it easier for the job, as we've talked about. But they that has led to the doxing of a person that had to shoot an insurrectionist because they broke through a window that would tra- they were trying to climb and kill Mike Pence, hang him from a gallow. Uh, they were trying to get to AOC as th- we've we've had that conversation on her Instagram live. They try to get to a lot of different <laughs> Congress people um, and ended up with multiple people dead from that day, multiple multiple police officers with PTSD and people uh, police officers that have committed suicide citing that day as a reason why. Tomorrow, they're going to make... Oh, and let's also point out that the National Guard had to be called in January 6th afterwards, which they're supposed to be the people that love the military, that care so much about the veterans, but they don't really care. It's a prop. It's a symbol versus actually caring, actually making something like the veterans uh, hospital function because the Republicans underfunded every time. Did you... Did you I don't, maybe you guys... Uh, you know that Bernie Sanders was the one that proposed to expand the Bernie, uh, the veterans uh, hospital by by um, by a number of billions of dollars and expand it by creating multiple new hospitals. This is back before 2016. I was going to say, was this along with Obama? Because I feel like wasn't that it was specifically a Bernie thing, but it, it was during Obama's presidency. Okay, I was going to say, and because of the Republicans' radicalism, even back then before Trump, they said no. That's why it's a prop. They don't. They will wrap themselves in that thin blue line flag because it's used as a tool to oppress others and used to build xenophobia, to build racism, and they don't really care about the police in the end because if they did, they would fight to fund the pension systems, which they don't care. They would fight to fund Social Security, the veterans' hospitals, et cetera, et cetera. The, the list goes on and on. But that's a long rant to say that tomorrow is going to be a rally, which the police are going to be involved. Let's just say that. What do? You, by the way, we are going to get into food eventually, but clearly it's yet. okay. I'm I'm enjoying this. This is great. It's relevant. I I thought you were, but I wanted to just. You, I know you brought such great notes, and it I, will tie in. I promise. Guys, I brought my notes. It no, it it doesn't in. have to. Actually, I'm enjoying this too. It, it will. I just don't shut up. That's a problem. We no, are you, your friends, and, <laughs> and we know. I was going to ask. Okay, so. What do you think that they care about? This is a if it's not about the police, like you're saying. Which people? Thin, the people who you you use the phrase "thin blue line" and obviously all or like the proud boys matter, or like this sort of blue lives matter kind of people. The one and what I think they care. Is that not fair to compare, by the way. Thin blue line and blue lives matter. Flag. No, it's the same thing. No, it's the same. Yeah, it's same. actually the same. Flag. So you know, you're saying sort of generally, and of course, I think intentionally 
that they don't care about the police really in a very specific sense with actual sort of um, figures to sort of back that opinion up and that point of view up. So what do they care about is the question. The, do I, what do I think genuinely? Of course, yeah. <sighs> Upholding their position of power and privilege in a society that they've been privileged in. Because look at the, just, and I say this as a straight white man, you know, with everything that comes with me, and that's why I utilize the places of privilege it is, but they are afraid of losing something, an amorphous something, and that's why I say it, because if I said I'm going to give Medicare for all to everybody, they take it as, well, that's because that person over there is going to get it, and I'm going to lose something. That's why they don't want it. They say, who's going to pay for it? Me, I'm going to pay for it. Rather than saying, well, we're all going to, we all pay for it. We all pay for people's healthcare now. We all pay for this and that together. It's the the hyper-individualism. They care about themselves and they care about upholding themselves. And this is a very broad, obviously, inherently broad painting with a broad brush, but they care about upholding themselves in the current power dynamic because historically, the people that make up the Republican Party have held the levers of the levers of power since 1776 and before that really as they brought slaves over here so and i'm not saying that those people are the same people obviously right but i'm saying it's a through line the history means something and why it has impacted today so it's about that shifting dynamic of equality when we talk about freedom you only, would, well, because you but, are a historian and only because I'm... I'm not a historian. You've, did you study <laughs> political science and therefore a lot of history? I study it for fun. I, I took a lot of classes in yeah, college well, for let's it. Say, yeah, you've, you've been in... But I'm not a historian. You pay attention, though, in a very <laughs> deliberately. And this isn't a very important point. I just want to make it because it, so that somebody doesn't potentially make it for us. But didn't the Republican Party used to mean something else way back, you know? Um... Depends on what point in time you want to talk about. Yes. Well, you just went all the way back to science. I'm talking about so. the people. It's right? not an important point. I just think it's worth qualifying well, hypothetically in case somebody else wanted for the, to point for it the out for us. For the quick, <laughs> for the quick history lesson, people always say the Republican Party, the party of Lincoln. Well, in the 1860s, the, they were called the radical Republicans because they wanted to abolish slavery. They wanted to reconstruct the South. They wanted to have federal dollars spent like... I don't know, maybe a, a socialist might. I was going to say bigger government. <laughs> but this is yeah. prior to Marx. This is prior to all this stuff having a name. This is prior to all of that being like, oh, that's socialism. It's prior to the Russian Revolution. So they, none of that existed. They then throughout time, they, the party started shifting, shifting, shifting. And then yeah. in the 1960s so is where be, you get the, to be simple, to just put in this nice disclaimer. <laughs> it's not 250 years of an actual you know through line of the same kind of quote unquote label and identity no yeah clear enough great um <laughs> just worth qualifying yes. that point not a very important one because right now i know you're referring to essentially reagan and post reagan ending nixon the... but nixon reagan's okay. the reagan's the catapult yeah. nixon's like loading the gun okay. <laughs> in a way sure yeah and that's obviously post kennedy you talk about kennedy all the time you talk about the specific standards for the collective that he believed in um you seem to relate to those a lot more right. of the fdr but 
JFK is you a nice symbol. JFK a lot recently. The reason why I bring up JFK recently is because he has a certain bona fide that people don't give to FDR. Um, he's not FDR wasn't as charismatic and well. Well, he was well loved, but not in the same way. Mm-hmm. JFK is a cult of person. Frankly, is a cult of personality. Those are the Kennedys in general. Yes, yeah. and for better or for worse. Um, so what I'm doing tapping into that is like, okay, why don't we talk about the guy as the guy that wanted universal health care, right. you know, or, or, you know, the list goes down the line, but specifically for me, the biggest thing is there's a speech of him literally talking about why Medicare is supposed to be for everybody. It's just starting here for old people. Yeah. And you're kind of saying that that's a continuation of something from Roosevelt in a yep. way. And why don't we... Why, why couldn't we just keep going with that as kind of the key sort of ideological question? Why did we have to interrupt that potential progress? Can't that just be part of progress? Essentially, pretty, yeah. Pretty much. Right, so that's the context of a Republican, essentially. Something that's interrupted, some perception that's very much seemingly interrupted that specific kind of progress. 1965. Yeah. I mean, that's literally Good. the Voting Rights Act. I like context. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want to add something? It looks like you've got some nice thoughts swimming around. Well, there. you know, I, I first I would say not um, an expert by any means when discussing, you know, these groups of um, supporters of the thin blue line or the blue lives matter. Uh, but I do have a thought on it. And I think because it's easy and it's easier than confronting the uncomfortable conversations that have come out of the last year and a half, these, uh, this is opening a larger box. And again, to not speak to something that, uh, you know, I'm not an expert on, but these sort of structural, systemic, racial issues that have been brought to light during the pandemic, these social constructs that I think a lot more folks are either being exposed to realizing or, or literally seeing on video, you know, not that we hadn't before, but, you know, George Floyd, he didn't want to be politically transformative. He wanted to raise his child, you know, and, and here we are now as folks sort of in shock, wrestling with a group, an organization, an institution like the police here to serve and save us with this, horrific, horrific, horrible, tragic thing that happened. And which one's easier? Where, where, how is it? And I, and I say that with care to those folks. I have people that have been in my life that have served in the military and have served as, and, and are police officers. Um, you know, I don't, I don't put them all in one box. Um, but I do believe that there's change that needs to be done. There's work that needs to be done. And just back to that original point, it's going to be really uncomfortable, maybe impossibly uncomfortable for some. And so I think it's easier. I think that's an easier way to support it. I think that misinformation has really controlled that dialogue too, because people are afraid to say one or the other. I find myself supporting both. I'm 100% behind Black Lives Matter. I know Antifa doesn't exist. Um, But I also want to see police officers supported better. But it's really difficult because I feel like reasonable folks would and could probably find themselves there too. 
it, there's a lot of division. Um, Wait, just if I could, just one second. Yeah, the, I'm not in a rush to go anywhere. The the piggyback off of that is that it's easier, and I've come to recognize this too. It's easier for somebody to say Derek Chauvin was wrong. The individual mm-hmm. was wrong, not the system. I agree with the that. The system is not broken because if you say that the system is broken, then we have to overhaul it. Right. But if the individuals, people throw him under the bus, but then you, you you can just let that system stew over here. And we that's, love an, em- an enemy. Yeah, yeah, of course. Also easier. But I just wanted to add on to that because I think it is a bigger, complicated issue. And it's just to echo for a third time, certainly not an expert on it, but just in my own growth and observation of how things have gone, being in the political sphere, interested in policy, having studied policy my entire academic career, it is interesting to me to see then how these things are coming to light and creating these social shifts in people, you know, one way or the other. That was very helpful, everything you just tied together there. Thanks. And even that last key soundbite, we love an enemy, it's so important. I literally was just writing about that today as a relevant sort of touch point for actually not this topic, but it's universally um, challenging, it seems, because, well, I think there are a lot of important reasons, all of which we will, I think, get into. But, uh, yeah, the need for an enemy, a scapegoat as a sentiment, someone mm-hmm. or something to blame, to project the uh, demonic, and that's the provocative word to get into the God thing eventually, <laughs> the demonic sort of um, tone upon and also to ra- justify your own general beliefs again, and that's back to that gentleman we were talking about. Are you willing to at least even see that there's a potential other option or way to look at it? If not, fuck, but all right, I guess we'll figure it out. Um, but that last piece about your your people's assumptions and presuppositions, it seems like there are two. If I, if I were to have, like, positioned the macro challenge as opposed to just highlighting how wonderful you are and you're going to be and how great you are going to be at taking people's money um the macro challenge would be the the tension i perceive mostly having to do with because i'm I'm always looking for the patterns and the themes it's just what i do the concept of like those who want to keep the quote-unquote system their argument is you're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater unintentionally. And they're the ones who are like really all about, they don't necessarily have all the same language, but there's a respect for authority and hierarchy and order there. By the way, none of which is inherently bad or unnatural. And we all seem to agree on that. Mm -hmm. But that is actually a little surprising to me and extremely important to unpack. So we'll come to that in a second. But the other side, quote unquote, which I don't agree as an actual side, is this whole thing about, it's all my individual sovereignty. And I actually think the two are complements and the whole concept that they're opposed is just crazy and childish at best. And really, um, it's it's going to stop because it's like this fever pitch that's going to crash. Like There's no actual way that these forces can remain so in this tug of war without one or both just sort of <laughs> running out of energy and maybe like 
kids having a temper tantrum, just taking a nap and <laughs> and then going and getting water and probably having some other attitude to coexist afterwards. You know, hopefully that temper tantrum doesn't result in some kind of major catastrophe, though. That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, clearly it could, and that's not what we want. But it's so unnecessary for this juxtaposition to even be in our psyche, to be in the zeitgeist, yet it is. That individual sovereignty, this is how I would oversimplify it. No individual sovereignty. Carefully, you're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And both are right. Like Both are so obviously important, which gets to freedom, which gets to God, which gets to individualism, as the word you use, the individual and the collective, the need for both. And how could you possibly think one could be without the other? That's how I would position the macro challenge and has nothing to do with taxes, of course, directly, except that it does and that, of course, you can have this system which clearly does have an exception. You call, what people would say broken is just like, well, it's a propensity for excess, propensity for consistently supporting these excesses, these absolutes, as I would say. So, yeah, there's a there's a lot to, to understanding that seems so critical, though, regardless of fixing it, just understanding it, regardless of like stopping the kids from having their little temper tantrums. I don't even know how you could, but at least understanding mm -hmm. that to your point about enemies, like even just understanding you don't need to have an enemy. Like there isn't really a problem in the conventional sense of a demon or to take a more like fantasy kind of foundation like an orc. Yeah, well <laughs> I would go sure. there. I would go to Lord of well, the Rings actually. Yeah, I mean it would be great <laughs> if there were actual orcs or Sauron or Hitler for that matter because it's all the same kind of co uh, concept. That would make things easier, but there aren't and there probably won't be. And you wouldn't even why would you even want that really? That's crazy to even want that. There's something pathological about even wanting that. But I was going to try to think of Thor's enemies to be helpful to you, but I couldn't. <laughs> the frost giants. Thank you. There are no frost giants. <laughs> <laughs> Although Loki's a frost giant, and Loki gives hope because Loki's good and bad. There you go. So, and he's got a he's a god of mischief. Yeah, there's there a inherent sort of mischievousness about even needing to how you would even understand this has a mischievousness to it, a sort of a childishness in a better kind of way. But that's how I perceive this macro challenge. So put all. And I think you said something really key about enemy in quotes. You didn't put it in quotes, but I heard it as in quotes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I'm letting that all kind of sink in a bit. Um, Thanks. Thanks for letting me say it. I wasn't sure how I was going to unfold. I'm digesting un it at that. the moment. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, do you have something off the top of your head well, to share I'll give to you it? This, just comment if you will specifically obviously on clearly we could uh, the only fun part about bringing up god by the way which is unnecessary entirely is because of course most people care about god <laughs> and you'll have to deal with people who believe in god <laughs> mm -hmm. you have to have some kind of relationship with regardless of being a tax collector or senator, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Pastafarianism, if you will, as we joked about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, even sure. Thor is quote unquote a God. So yeah, it's, it's important to There's no him. quotes needed. Yes. <laughs> he is the God. <laughs> but you could also, we talked about your, your unpacking as you did in your show, AOC's um, fashion statement and 
I'm not opposed to her doing that for the record, but I don't know if it helps. I'm not sure if it helps in the can sh- I ask, in the long term. Can I ask why? Like you listen to my the, show, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So you, I like, I'm saying, time, yeah. I'm saying you, but you know where I'm coming from. Where I say like, do, do, do people what, know the tax code? Do people know what the top? Do people know what a marginal tax rate is? Obviously, I'm okay with her message. I'm asking if it helps I, in a macro sense of being more than a just like we joked about William Wallace and freedom, mm-hmm. a sort of like chest beating, cheerleading kind of situation for the side that you... Or performative, right? Yeah, I mean, and that's provocative a, and provocative. And that's not bad. Yes. There's nothing, no, not, nothing bad right. about that. I'm just asking to what extent does that kind of... I don't... I think it's cool that she did it, but I'm not sure it helps. <laughs> it might not, know, but it yeah. might... Let's think about it. Who are the people that watch the Met Gala? Not me. Not you. Do you? I no, actually, I didn't watch it. So the people. I thought you every year. No, 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 no interest really. So (laughs) it's messing with me. So the people that watch it, they're not the person that is sitting here engaged as a campaign manager. They're not necessarily the person running for office or engaged in a political party they're not someone just interested in having these conversations about politics they're interested in fashion or just even these conversations about how we as a species need to evolve right which is Mm -hmm. really the key and all i meant by does it help is okay it's so predictable what that guy from shark tank said it's so predictable what people will say and is it really going to do anything other than just to use a shark, yeah, shark to be bait for this and that. Like it's almost like you know exactly how that's going to play out. Is it serving the the progress really? Also, did she buy a ticket? No Out of curiosity. So that was like there was details that. Oh, I'm sorry, I stepped away from. Hello Nobody again. Can hear you. I <laughs> yeah, people make but, things up. Well, so that's, that's <laughs> I don't know a lot about it. That's, I obviously saw the dress everywhere and I kind of chuckled to myself because I I like that sure. phrase. You know, I love Connor's got a t-shirt. I I'm a it's big supporter. From her. Right. And I'm a big supporter of AOC. I saw it and I'm like, oh, interesting. And then and then I guess I was kind of over it and sort of had those thoughts too of like, all right. So it's a message that would be seen, I think, to your point and where you were getting by folks who probably would not be exposed otherwise to something like that. But then does it actually impact? Is it performative? Is everything performative? Everything in politics is performative so, unless you're actually writing the bills. So that's kind of where I <laughs> yeah, thought, we too. we don't ever get to watch that happen. No. So, uh, <laughs> Which I think would be really worth watching. It would be. I imagine I, how... I actually well, imagine the people what don't that write. Look- the, you, you know what happens is I, I go to somebody... Oh, I don't think that Nancy Pelosi is literally they, writing They just the tell bill. somebody to write it in legal right. But even that I'd want to know. I'd want to see the behind the scenes. They have we solicitors could, that do it. That's yeah. what could, happens on the township level. We could write policy briefs together. I've spent the last couple of years working on... Who's we? What, you and I. You want to see the, the process I've been on the... You could do it for, for me. Uh, yeah, we do for him. Yeah, tax collector. You're I mean, tax for the people you know, East and Maine, the, the National uh, Young Farmers Coalition. <laughs> although I haven't literally written um, legislation, I have researched and contributed to um, policy uh, action and um, 
it is actually a really cool process. I believe you, and you gave us that nice little bridge there to get into your notes, which I want to do, and we will. It's Thorough. But all I would like to own up to and just qualify is, of course, with the, to the extent that I have, and I really don't mind it at all or care, kind of like you, privilege, um, white, straight, male privilege, if that's the thing, I'm able to look at, and I think it is obviously, Mm -hmm. I'm able to look at that with a sense of safety and security. I'm not worried about my taxes right now, where I'm at in life, and paying them, of course. I'm understanding that many people, this is an extremely stressful and and um, make or break kind of thing, to say the least. You know, obviously, financial security and insecurity is, it's ridiculous to have to say, really fucking important. So tax the rich makes complete sense. I'm just acknowledging from that broader perspective of potential to truly progress and evolve and not just continue to have the same kinds of battles and chest thumping taking place within these arenas, is it helpful? Is it wise and helpful? Is it serving the the progress? Like, or is it, and probably it could, it probably is, but maybe just not as efficiently as something like, like if you're such a divisive figure already, and she obviously is, I mean, she's, her name is a freaking acronym. If you're so provocative already to people, I don't know. I can imagine wanting to be, a it's not like she said, eat the rich. <laughs> she didn't quote, well, who is that? The pink Floyd. There's, there's a lot <laughs> of, mm-hmm. yeah. No, of, of course not. Um, that would be. But what hysterical. she's saying, but what right? But yeah. what she's saying, right? But people demonize her, and they hold her. I'm not thinking this, about her at no, all. I'm but, thinking about what's the most actually effective approach. And of course, I'm acknowledging that I have the quote unquote privilege to be able to think that way for now. All I'm saying is, questions. if you were given a platform that hundreds of thousands, if not millions, ten, yeah, millions. maybe tens of millions, because on social media too. Tens of AOC? millions. I'm saying easily just on that millions. W- with that, w- I'm saying with that one stunt, millions, right? Easily. With that, if you were given a platform that you know that let's just say 10 million people, but it's more than that because how many people watch Fox News a night? A lot. Millions, I'm sure. So, so just on that alone, <laughs> at least during the day, yeah. And then the dozens that watch my show. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, it's <laughs> add them up. It's uh, you know, I can count them on two hands, but. Um, <laughs> But um, if you were given that platform, would you take it? To what? Per- whatever you want to promote. Well, Ra- that's exactly rally the point. The base. I'm acknowledging why would you, what I Why would you, like, rally. why would you not That's do? what I asked. What yeah. would I, I mean, we all have the potential to create a, rel- what kind of platform we can If I could just walk around my chest unique. painted for Medicare for all and not, and not be, and get millions of people to see it, I would do it. Yeah. But no, that's not going to happen for me. Her place is a place of privilege now as a congresswoman. So she has to use that platform for the good and make the material change. But the only way you make material change is by helping frame the debate. And you have a person like Kevin O'Leary. It just seems like it's th- it's fanning the flames. It's you, have a, you have a billionaire 
complaining about people like AOC who makes under 200K as a congresswoman. Whereas now you have people that make 50,000, 60,000 being afraid of tax the rich. They're not talking about you. They're not talking about the middle class. They're not talking about the 99.9% of us. That's why it's important that you understand, or not you, but just in broadly, that tax the rich means something. It means something more than just a phrase. She has a proposal. You know so many, potentially millions of people aren't going to go beyond it. That's another socialist. There's that socialist. But should we not use Green New Deal? Should we not use the phrasing Medicare for all? Those are both socialism. Those are taking away hamburgers and taking away airplanes because they're going to say it no matter what. But the Green New Deal means something. I know it's just more sound, but it's an even. But it's a sound. More. It, it's a phrase. That's all it is. But it means something in policy because they're actual policies. It's a like, trade-off. Yeah. You know, it, it's, yeah, it's she, just asking the question. Well, yeah, she got the, the the equal amount of criticism as she did. You know, exposure and um, potentially influence this, yeah, this policy. It's the same, both, the others, the Republicans try to co-opt leaders and co-opt sure, people. they use that all the... Martin Luther King. Uh, well, you had a guest on who really, in, in the best ways I've ever really heard it, unpacked critical race theory. Oh, Cyril? Right? Yeah, perfect, another perfect example. I know there's no easy way to avoid, there's no way maybe even to avoid your actions and words being you know misconstrued taken out of context misinterpreted um literally literally used to reinforce a perspective and lies and to manipulate i know there's no way to potentially avoid that i just imagine you might want to try to minimize that then no one would be talking about it i think you know who would be talking about the tax and and people said this uh about the rallies People said yeah. this too. I mean, it, it was, we, we tried to, we um, as in a society tried to tell as the oppressors, you know, we've tried to tell the oppressees how to behave after being oppressed. You know, is it. For 400 is, years. Yeah. And so, and so her method, she was like Connor said, and you've sort of changed. I, I was a little bit indifferent either way. I didn't know a lot of the details of what had happened. Just seen her dress everywhere. Um, but I understand it better now. If given that platform, why not use it? You're going to get this criticism, but she is also speaking up for a vast majority of Americans who are struggling and would benefit from this policy. Do, it, is there going to be more positive than negative impact? I suppose it's unknown going into it, but you do it anyway. Of course. <laughs> I guess I miss the uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington kind of ideals, but well, I'll just say this: I sit with this foot. Obviously, I have to sit in, on the couch to work, right? So I put the news on pretty much Did intermittently. You see that movie? By the way, that's another classic. No, you would like? No. Do you? Oh, I know. I don't it, watch movies about politics. I live it. It's actually it's, something you would really like. Yeah. Um, but so like I had CNN on yesterday, I think, and on that because they were talking about this. They talked about the $2 trillion that were cut for the GOP tax scam in 2017. Now, I talk about it all the time, but I'm just some guy. Now, if it's on CNN, which they don't talk about the fact that it's $2 trillion, and over the lifetime of the 10 years, it's going to cost the, the government $8 trillion, $8 trillion with a T, dollars. how do we pay for it? We don't. We don't. It's just a loss of $8 trillion spending 
over 10 years. Nobody talks about that, but because AOC brought it up, it got brought, it gets brought up on the news. It gets brought up on my program. It gets brought up here because it's a, it's setting the tone. It's saying you need to talk about this. Bernie Sanders ran for president only to talk about wealth inequality. It's the only thing he cared to talk about. And maybe he almost won the, won the primary, even though nobody took him seriously. Nobody knew who he was before 2016. And it's all about setting the tone about it. That's the whole thing. Making your message and putting it out there. And frankly, beating them. Because there's only so much we can work together on right now. Yeah, often when I speak with you, I wonder, am I just naive? Because you you end up there often in our conversations that it really does come down to just winning. And I think to myself, God, isn't there a way to go about this that's the wording I would use that doesn't have such a reactive approach and and that's just my wording it's not necessarily the accurate wording and I don't have the answer it's just the question that I often wrestle with well how come let's just let's just extrapolate it right yeah. Trump was president 2020 right COVID hit the Democrats voted for his COVID bill in the mm-hmm. house because the Democrats controlled the house so the Democrats did work with the Rep- Republicans now in 2021 Joe Biden is president, which, by the way, it's what there was equal. It was about equal spending in the, the original covid bill. 2021 comes along, not a single Republican votes for Joe Biden's bill, which had half of the unemployment benefits paid comparatively to what because everyone still thinks that people are getting six hundred dollars a month for rent for unemployment. People still think that there's no rent. People think all this other stuff. Where is that even happening? It's not happening, right? No, yeah. because it it. <laughs> The unemployment ran out two weeks ago. It was $300. It was half of what it was originally. I know because I needed it when I lost my four jobs at the beginning of the pandemic. So the fact is, not a single Republican supports that bill. Brian Fitzpatrick, our congressman, didn't vote for that bill, the American Rescue Plan. Why? He's supposed to be the most moderate Republican. He is literally quoted as the most moderate congressperson in the country. Didn't vote for that bill. So, frankly, the Democrats have consistently bent over to the Republicans' wills, and they've worked together. Merrick Garland should be on the Supreme Court. He's not. We have Brett Kavanaugh, and we have Neil Gorsuch, and we have Amy Coney Barrett. So they have a 6-3 to control of the Supreme Court because of unwillingness to compromise. The Democrats compromise all the time. So I reject that notion, and I'm not saying that you're saying that, but I reject the notion flat out that we're talking about two equal sides that don't compromise. The Democrats consistent. Nancy Pelosi was quoted yesterday in the UK saying, we need a strong Republican Party, not this Republican Party. Hmm. That's not what the leader of your party is supposed to be saying. And Joe Biden was saying that too. Even. Yeah, while he was running for president. Yeah, while he was running. And now they don't pass, a, like we, we have Senator Manchin, who is basically a Republican holding up. We have Democrats that don't even agree with, with the president's uh, agenda. So I, I think it's... Uh, a misnomer almost to even compare. And that's why I say we have to beat them because yeah, it's like, that's where it seems to always come back to is there is no option other than, well, the American people want defeating. to tax the rich. The American people want universal healthcare. The American people want safe drinking water and to protect the environment and all that, all that stuff. We don't get I it. I want it too. It's not the question about tax. What is wanted? Yeah. But it should be because we have a representative democracy. Right. And in a republic, you're supposed to elect the people that represent the public opinion. But we don't have it because of a number of things. But 
well, the Republican Party is antithetical to what the people of this country want. The majority. And I would say the overwhelming majority. I think we don't have it because of a thinking problem, a belief system problem, an ideology problem. This is back to the the absurdity of this individualism and um, maintain the system. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. They're both absurd. Either way, whichever one you put your you know, place your flag in, they're both ridiculous. And I don't know. Yeah, I wonder long term how we can get around. I'm just I'm of course tax the rich short term. I think it makes complete sense. The it's Republicans don't even want us to have a de- functioning term. democracy. Though. Yeah, that's the like we're that's the problem. They're this is literally what I wrote about rights. today. How there are everybody has their particular perspective about what. The but am I wrong? Is. But am I wrong? No, I'm just saying it's all of it and food scarcity. It's gerrymandering and that it's sea levels rising and um monocrop monocropping yeah it's but is it feasible at this point you know some i don't like to just jump to the whole thing is like um dysfunctional but i mean it was designed to be dysfunctional in what well that's sort of like a play on words or just well, a, I designed or, you know, I don't know who like, said this. Maybe you, you can recall. But if all, more well, if all men were honest, there'd be no need for government. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is sort of the exploitation of the commons we talk about when we study, yeah. you know, the environment and environmental policy. It's um, the privatization of industry, how we exploit workers and small businesses um, for the highest profit. I mean, this this is the problem, and it's created division because there's a party that sort of time and again supports one pathway, this exploit the worker, highest profit, uh, preserve the economy, the market, and then we have this other who wants to see, I, I think, a better balance, not a total extermination of the one. There's a balance. It's actually putting people more first than profit, right? People. Well, the implication profit. there would be that there's an actual valuing and desire to live with that particular virtue of honesty is what you're saying. Right, which doesn't, I think, exist or exist enough, which is the need. doesn't exist enough for sure. Right, which is then the need for government theoretically, policy. Theoretically, that is the key. Right. Right, I agree. But some people call that integrity. I would agree with that too. Well, I think there's synonyms to some extent. And being part of that community, that there is a level of individualism. If we all had, uh, you know, a guaranteed basic income or Colin, and it's going to be that way no matter what. It's just also something else. Well, right. And what I, I was going to make it a little bit more policy and oh, yeah. political, but if we all had this guaranteed, you know, basic income, if we all had um, health care, if we all had education available to us, it wouldn't crush entrepreneurialism. It would it would thrive. You'd still have these folks engineering and innovating and opening small businesses. You've just provided the 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 bare minimum 
to a society so they can function at a supportive level to each other. Let me put a bow on the the tax piece and then go into this because it's a it's about time. And I guess the bow that I just want to no, I it's really necessary. This is the perfect moment. I just felt okay. like I needed All to right, put this sure. little bow on. I don't obviously believe that there's anything. You know, I think ideally, yes, integrity would be the foundation. We'd be that's the key. Mm-hmm. And I suspect. I'd actually prefer to say her name. How do you say it again? Uh, Octavia Cortez. What? Alexandra. Alexandra. Oh, oh. <laughs> I don't, you get so caught up in saying AOC, which I don't like. It's like saying climate change. It's global warming. Mm. Um, I think climate change was a term that was... Vice global. versa. Yeah. Really, I thought... Oh, thank you for correcting me. So climate change because was how, the foundation. Global warming was co-opted to... Well, global warming no, was I think the it's old. The other way around. No, global warming was the old adage of just saying it's the planet is just heating. And yeah, but I'm pretty sure climate change was taken. Was was, was I think global warming was um, shifted and twisted to be called climate change, so it didn't sound as bad. To well, if we're going to be completely but, accurate, it's yeah, really climate. Be it's climate crisis now. So Good. if you're going to speak to it <laughs> at an academic and sort of expert level, it's. Yeah, climate and that's why crisis. we're going to get into food. Yes, yes. and the bow. Actually, yeah. Thank you, Lindsay. You're welcome. And the so we'll call it climate crisis. But all I was going to say is Alexander sure. Octavia Cortez. Yes, Ocasio. Ocasio. Thank you. That's great. I want to get it right. Um, for it's a damn shame that the integrity isn't the norm. And I believe you when you say that the only thing we can do is win. The only thing that can be done is winning. And there's a part of me that I'll just say it naively or maybe childishly just thinks that's unfortunate, that's sad, but okay, if that's the way it is, I'll consider that. I just know you you can think of countless people for whom nothing, like what she's arguing, what we're arguing is, or what we're stating even, but specifically what she might be pointing out about taxes or about um, just redistribution, all the terms that could be used, mm-hmm. they have, they're only going to be more convinced of their beliefs and they're only going to sort of um, cement themselves even more and solidify their fort even more. No matter, like they're only going to do that more based on things like, yeah, these sound bites. If she did anything. Or these stunts. Yeah. yeah. If, I mean, if she did anything. She's at the level now. Maybe. Of, no, a hundred percent. Well, a hundred percent. Probably mostly, but either way, it's not important yeah. because it's just, it's going to happen. And that's the key problem. And therefore, how do you even, I believe it's more, I think more about the why are people not even operating with integrity to begin with. And that's where I come from when I think about it. Like, God damn it. Why can't we, there's got to be a different attitude, a different way to go about this. Mm-hmm. It's not that I disagree with the, the, um, the actions in the moment, obviously, hence mm-hmm. your own work. I mean, I endorsed your campaign for God's sake. Uh, it's it's just that why can't how do we make integrity normal? And I think it does have to do with food. But Connor, did you want to? That was the bow I was trying to put on it. I just want to just <laughs> in the end say that somebody that was a bartender, not a lawyer, not a nepotism uh, beneficiary. Not somebody that you're talking about AOC. AOC. Yeah. AOC yeah. Somebody that worked, that went day after day after day 
fought and took out the number two Democrat in a primary was because of her integrity. People say that she's dumb. People say that she's misinformed. Oh, I'm, you know we weren't questioning her. Integrity. I know y- oh, you are. Yeah. <laughs> I know you are. But my point is saying oh, yeah. that what she's doing is she's doing it with integrity. I wouldn't be sitting here today doing what I'm doing if she didn't do what she did. Like yeah, fl- straight inspires. out. Her, her and ban- Bernie inspire you more than seemingly any Bernie, public figure. that's yeah. another level. But yeah. but yes, I just want to say that. Provocative symbol. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, of course. Then that's a, that's not the question. I'm just aware that. Well, I would just the re I'm just asking have, people to reevaluate their dynamic the, their beliefs and their dynamic of well, she's corrupt or she's this and she's that, she's a sellout. She's fighting from somebody that was a literally found out she won the election while working at the bar. Yeah, like I don't know how you could make that argument. It's ridiculous. People Who, make it every single day. I mean, that's what we're we're arguing no, against the they boogeyman. They say it. They're not actually making a sound argument. They're just saying shit. And the problem is, people are just going to say things, and they're not going to question what they're saying or what they're believing, and they're going to continue to do that. No, seemingly, as you're saying, no matter what. And I'm wishing there was a different way. I'm wishing there was a way to approach that problem better. Maybe it has to do with food. Maybe I agree with you. I, I think about it a lot, actually, in communication of exactly, yeah. policy. It's there is a nuance there. I don't have quite the visceral experience um, when it comes to political parties and like beating them, winning. Like I, I have that in me, and I agree. But I, I think that there, and it's it's so multi-layered. I think all of our individual belief systems, even if we do sort of conform or associate with a a party. But um, this last year, year and change, I feel like not only do we have these divisive or divisive, they're forced to be um, people in our parties like AOC. I think she she probably can't do anything right to the right. You know, I mean, is Ted Cruz ever going to do anything right for us folks on the left? I mean, has he ever? I I mean, so <laughs> so you have this, but I think the, I mean, you have the political figures and you have politics and then you have policy and how to communicate policy. And there has been this extreme deficit in effective communication over this last year and a half that has caused people to trust real estate tycoons for their medical advice instead of experts and researchers and educators. I think there's fault on both sides. I think that science and research and academia has not always done a great job of communicating effectively facts, information. It has become divided. It has become elitist. It's become exclusive, unreachable. Nobody was spending the time, I feel like, maybe Twitter now. I, I find I find amusement out of a, a medical Twitter when they try to break down some of the things going on in the pandemic. Were you going to add to that? Well, I think you're highlighting another virtue, which is humility and the the need, not just the ideal but the literal need it's not just a nice thing like integrity is not just a nice thing humility isn't just a nice thing these are literally Mm -hmm. necessary because 
obviously we all respect quote unquote science, but it easily becomes another kind of, it's an overused phrase, but religion or um, belief system, if you're not careful and not to the fault of necessarily all scientists, but it's just the communication as you're saying. And the idea, they think the primary misstep in all communication comes down to whether it's just in tone or actual intention, which is unfortunately worse and perhaps common. Um, acting like or forgetting to remember, and they can go together, uh, you can't. Acting like you know everything or forgetting to remember that you can't know everything. It's not a complicated point, but my God, is it so easy to apparently act like you know everything or forget to remember that you can't. It is kind interesting too, at. yes. And, and the, you only can do that if you have humility. And that's the individual, that's the consumer of that information. Are you, I, I love seeing these juxtapositions on social media. Are you actually researching this? Are you consuming content? Have you, uh, are you somebody who works in a medical field or an academic field? You have used peer reviewed research, you have studied and analyzed you know, data and have come to a conclusion based on all of these steps? Or have you gone to a YouTube channel that sort of mirrors your belief systems that you kind of already have? And, and so that's the on the consumer level, which I tend to blame less. I do feel like if blame is the right word to use, I think the cause of this divide and this communication deficit between policy and the folks who are impacted by it, the researchers and the science and to the medical community and then to just regular old us. I mean, I think about being a policy student in graduate school and how much effort it takes for me to understand food assistance, the amount of hours I have dedicated to it. it and it's not because I want to a badge. I mean, I want a degree for it to, you know, be fair, but, um, but the amount of energy and effort it has taken that I know, and it makes me empathize to get to that same place for someone who is believing that immigrants are coming in and using up all of our healthcare or, or, People are buying steaks on Snap dollars, or there's these welfare, you know, queens. queens. It's it's harmful. It creates these uh, biases, this this misunderstanding of policy of what our government's role is, what they do, and it takes so much energy and effort to actually get real information. I, I don't have a good answer as to how or why we got here other than it, well, it benefited, it benefited you know, leadership far higher up than, than we. You know, this is the, the Marxist, um, you know, a belief system. I think it's important for all of us to be sort of working and arguing and fighting to benefit those above. I, I I'm, I'm trailing off here, but I don't have a. I yeah. think we. You're not chilling off, but let's just pause there for a second. Let's okay. look at the. Let's take a look at what there is to see there. I think you're, you're reflecting back about, and we'll keep it on food because I think it, we've hinted at it enough. You're reflecting the consistent challenge that we've 
it's kind of been a through line about this um, thinking tendency that is to juxtapose yourself and the collective, the your um, individuality, your uh, uniqueness, your authenticity, your autonomy, your quote unquote sovereignty, and the whole, the group. And I think that's not only something. I don't. I think that happens across the board. It seems like a universally a universal American challenge, to, regardless of um, anything political or, or religious or whatever you choose to identify as or affiliate, however you affiliate. It seems like a pretty consistent challenge, and I don't think there's some kind of grand conspiracy behind it. I think it's just what's happened. No, yeah, and, I, I realized I was kind of going off track there. I, but you it's, could paint, it's systemic, though. I mean, it's, a, it's why structural. Why is it systemic could have a conspiracy sound to it? And not in the sense of, again, somebody orchestrated this um, this master plan to divide us all and to make us essentially just like separate and, and dysfunctional. That's What if we do believe that? No, sorry, go ahead. Well, it's not wrong. I think it, there, I mean, it could be. It's not. <laughs> to some to extent. Say? It could to be. To some but, extent. But that's the inherent point about like everybody pointing at social media as like the boogeyman or like the primary problems. Like the funniest thing about scapegoating social media to me is bittersweetly we can see now you know what people like to say about social media is that it shows that we need to have some kind of agreement we have we need to have some kind of agreed upon understanding of what's real is the classic soundbite at this point i've heard it that way and the funniest thing about pointing to social media as the um yeah the the source of that problem is we didn't have it before actually to think that we had it before social media before the internet before whatever isn't true so conspiracy or not i think it's just really really freaking evident that (laughs) you can't you don't know what other people are going to be thinking you don't know other people's beliefs you really don't know how to even necessarily create an agreed upon understanding which is to say communicate and that's actually the opportunity of the moment i think to see that we don't have it we never did have it now we can create it Maybe for the first time. I hear that. I think social media has diluted it. I think that you're diluted right. What? Uh, information, finding, sourcing, factual or it's just information. Like misinformation on steroids, like super I think, steroids. I think they go hand in hand. Yeah. I think you're right in that it always existed. I mean, people believe we didn't land on the moon, right? I mean, so we have <laughs> these things example. that like. But even just the literal belief about what is, like, what does it mean to be a human? Forget about the moon. Forget about just like why are we alive? We've never agreed on that. We never had a shared understanding of that, and we think we did because we're supposedly a country. We're supposedly even a country that has a similar that there's a supposed. I think we people would assume this country was founded on religious principles that are Christian, but that's not necessarily to say that we all agreed on the same kind of thing in the be- at any point ever i think it's inherently just this fantasy to think that way <laughs> and it's I th- not i think a, you're right yeah, not, yeah i think you're right meaning it's not a new problem it's a problem that now we're finally maybe able to see for the first time but i think opinions are different than facts right so we can have opinions ideally on yes our op- opinions about our connections or relationships with God, our beliefs about 
afterlife, why we're here. What is that? Those beliefs are valuable. They're wonderful. They might unify some of us folks. They shouldn't negatively impact anyone else. And they are opinions and not facts, right? So an opinion, you may not, I mean, there's so many political uh, divided topics we could pull from currently. And, and maybe I won't tap into that necessarily pandemic related, but um, for example, the like thinking that folks on, I'm going to air quote welfare because we don't call it that. It's SNAP yeah. dollars. Um, we don't call it food stamps anymore either. It's called SNAP, the supplement of nutrition. It always um, was called SNAP actually, or it was for a long time. We just didn't call it that. Oh, maybe. Like uh, the acronym is not new. SNAP, not that new. Yeah. Yeah, not that new. You're right. Um, but we have this idea. Well, I had them at one point in my life. Did you have? Did you get SNAP dollars? I did a while back. That's awesome. And they were not called. They were called SNAP. It was called S N A P. Yeah. And it was mm -hmm. a moral failure upon yourself that you did, I, right? You no, really? exactly. exactly. Conversation. <laughs> and you bought steak every week with I it, right? Grass fed steak. And that's you know a belief. Huge, huge someone's steaks. opinion, right? They think. No, I mean I know exactly what. You're I mean, I maybe it's not personal the, experience. But. Yeah, maybe it's not the best comparison, but but so you have this. I think belief. it's a great comparison yeah. because it gets to the question of how are you even going to reorganize people's attitude towards sharing, if not because of their beliefs. And it's a great everybody question. having enough can't be separate from a this is what i this is why i brought god into the conversation in our notes and our sort of joking prelude because i don't think you can effectively transform our relationship with these any of this without tackling the belief questions believing you're just an individual is going to inform how much you're willing to care mm -hmm. about others how much you're going to share how much you're going to give a shit if somebody has Food, to be frank. Oh, I think enough. It, yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, I think that religion plays that role really successfully for some folks. It gives them the playbook, the the moral drive, maybe to then share these belief systems of shared equity. Or in food, or I wanted to touch back just like on the just the belief versus fact, because I just wanted to clarify if we're talking about steak dinners, the average allocation is $126 to $148 per month, not per week, per month for an individual on SNAP. There it does vary slightly depending on your income and your age, because young men get the highest allocation because of their caloric needs. But on average, you get about $140 a month. Uh, this is w then within a formula where you are expected to supply another 30% of your food costs. What it actually ends up being, based on some really awesome research out of NC State, you are still at about a 40% deficit of the cost to adhere to our very own MyPlate Dietary Nutrition Guidelines standards. So... It's to speak to both of those things. We have this belief about SNAP dollars. The reality is far more grim. 15% of children are food insecure. 
15% of their entire population, um, two to three million children are have very low food security or very high food insecurity. Uh, these are real people, real numbers. I think then how do we communicate it? How do we get people to care? This is what drives me, I think, for now and for the rest of my life is to better communicate this information, to try to reframe the conversation around food assistance, to understand better why folks end up in those places to begin with, like yourself. I mean, one out of every, so we, because of the pandemic, which had obvious disruptions in the supply chain, we saw, you know, skyrocketing food insecurity, um, loads of folks who had never needed food assistance before now needed it. Um, and, and these were largely folks who already, uh, the folks who showed up to food pantries and needed charitable food assistance often were people who needed uh, food assistance to begin with. But there was this um, like 60% increase in most food pantries throughout the country. And one out of three, one out of three individuals, this was reported by Feeding America, which is like the national umbrella of, um, you know, a non an NGO that helps to organize charitable food systems or charitable food assistance. One out of every three individuals who showed up to a food pantry had never experienced food insecurity before. This was during the pandemic. Um, but again, to communicate, it's hard to communicate real numbers. People need to want to hear it. They need to, they need to believe that maybe their old belief systems are wrong, or that they can be adjusted, um, or they can be. I'm trying to think of some of the other words you used earlier on. I think we've used a very important question. That's a good question, almost across the board. Is like, what is enough? Like, how do you? What is enough? You know, it comes to medicine, it comes to food, it comes to money, it comes to land, it comes to clothing, it comes to, quite frankly, I can't think of anything. That yeah, and who gets to, to decide that? Enough. Yeah. Who gets to decide, which comes to a power and authority and the hierarchy piece and, and legal <laughs> questions. Yeah, what is enough? And if we had enough, if we had enough integrity, maybe that wouldn't, if enough of us operated with a concept of integrity that was clearly different than maybe it would be the kind of world people are working for and fantasizing about and, mm -hmm. and legitimately imagining. Because um, it's easy to imagine everybody having enough food. Right, and there are- It's fairly are, reasonable. It's uh, not- And we have it, we grow it. We grow enough food. Uh, you know, there are countries that do do it right. You know, there is a shared feeling of responsibility and, you know, it seems like in this country, Connor, you can speak to this maybe more, or at least we can all nod in agreement or disagreement. This country is uniquely, um, this is what I meant by dysfunctional. And you said it's supposed to be dysfunctional. Unable would be the way I mean it to tackle, to tackle a problem and just solve it. <laughs> yeah. That's the dysfunction I was reporting. Yeah. By when I, <laughs> when I talk about like people being literally on the Star street starving. Yeah. Well, I think you may not agree with us, <laughs> but I know we do, but we're the, you know, radical, scary radicals, but like that's an intrinsic problem with capitalism. 
Uh, no, but, I do agree with that. Yeah, okay, cool. No, it's just not necessary to jump to, as you're, you don't do this, I know, I'm just saying it because it's the knee-jerk reaction by many, which is what I was referring to again before about reactivity. Socialist. Exactly, it's not a matter of either or, which is, I always look at this line as like the, the, the razor's edge, like you can have this and this, you just have to walk that line and be wise and have that awareness. It's not actually hard to understand. It may take actual effort, but it's fine. So does good living. So seemingly at the moment, at least a lot of things take effort. Yeah, you don't have to have one or the other. These juxtapositions are, I think, the I think the problem. Thinking in these juxtaposed either or black white ways, I believe, is the primary problem, and therefore you end up thinking of yourself as needing to hoard, no matter how much that person or those people or those children are dying. And that doesn't mean <laughs> taxing is going to solve the problem, obviously which is all I was saying before. It might be a very necessary part, but clearly if the question, if the problem has to do with beliefs and thinking and, and literal perceptions of self, like identity even, it's a deeper problem. Of course, let's take care of the things we can take care of, to your point from a political legislative position, obviously, but clearly there's something deeper. I mean, we've hit on it with regard to integrity and humility pretty directly, I think, and there's more, yeah. I think what usually uh, doesn't get highlighted, and this is why we've talked about it a number of times, you've heard me talk to him about it a number of times, is about the nuance inherently built in, I think, to the three of our our individual ideologies between the three of us. We disagree on some things, I'm sure. We agree on a lot of things. Whereas um, there's the straw man of this radical that wants everything to be the same for everybody whereas lindy's advocating she has all the stats here and talking you about talking speak about to it extremely well by the way yes thanks, you didn't thanks. even look at your notes yes thanks <laughs> but thanks guys but what she's talking about is saying like well you look at the increase in the food pantry needs you look at the list goes on and on and on on how things rely upon a lot of this country charity Whereas you can definitely speak to this. There is no scarce, as you were talking about earlier, there's no scarcity of food. There's no scarcity of money. There's no scarcity of spending dollars and tax funds like you were talking about. And that's the problem. Is it we're we're you know, I'll lump us, you you can join us. We we get, join we'll get us. labeled as a radical ideology, the spooky specter, you know, of right. Karl Marx. Right. Whereas all we're trying to say is put a little nuance to it and say, you know, there's nothing wrong with charity, but when you have to rely on charity to get food, you are relying on somebody else, else, uh, you know, providing it for you out of the goodness of their heart, rather than saying, here's a leg up until you can get yourself up, you know, a hand up instead of a hand out right. kind of deal. And she can, Lindsay could definitely speak a lot more on that scarcity issue, but I think that that's an important one too, where it's, it's pointing out. We choose, and you know I talk about this all the time, everything we talk about is a choice. And like we say, everything's political. Everything's a political choice. If we let poverty exist, which is twenty considered to be poverty in this country, is $26,000 a year mm -hmm. in your annual income. Mm -hmm. That's not a lot of money. <laughs> so That's for a family of four, by the way. Yeah, and the people that's who will argue, who will jump on your reference of choice, they'll say, yeah, and it's their individual 
responsibility to choose better and not to don't change the system. They need to choose better. And you're simply saying maybe both, which is so. <laughs> it's the nuance. It's the nuance, nuance, nuance. <laughs> both it's never and, one or. Both and you've, yeah. Mostly structural. Most. Less choice because no one would choose to be food insecure. No one would choose to not be able to feed their children, to not go. There are exceptions to every situation. Course, yeah. But it's. You know, I just meant that the ideal for anyone who would try to like point out some kind totally. of like poke holes in any Totally. Is, that is the is, argument, right? Yes. That is 100% the argument. No matter who you are, both and is. Right. It's you're 100% right. That is the argument. And it's an unfortunate and it's again also has to do with misinformation, maybe not communicating actual information, this new realization of structural systemic problems that have disproportionately and have discriminated against black and brown communities, indigenous communities, specific groups of people. I mean, I in my notes wrote redlining, and I'm like, maybe this is not the the right place or time, or you know, the right time or place. But it. like, you know, literally, banks and financial institutions would draw a red line around black and brown communities, just blanket red line, and would not lend to them. Just decide they were quote too risky. These they didn't outlaw that until 1968. We're talking about generations then who were not given access to the same financial institutions, you know, and, and um, opportunities as white folks. Um, this equity, this wealth, it builds from generation to generation. When you have a a white child and a black child born, that white child has ten times the amount of wealth that that black child, black or brown child, does. This is generational wealth those babies don't have jobs you know they haven't they worked should. hard they should oh, they should i mean get out already <laughs> come on get but you know they and not to say you know, i don't <laughs> i don't say this without so much heart for babies but it's they 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 didn't choose right it's that ch they didn't choose to be born within uh you know with the wealth gap they didn't choose but because of these prior structural elements i know but i don't want to go too far off but you're um, not i think it's again going to echo the same kind of problem which is a belief in thinking and individualism there's a literal through line from what you could call the protestant work ethic and i didn't trace this be you know this mm -hmm. has been mapped out very well going century or well probably centuries but at least um decades back to pre-World War II and certainly right after World War II, um, to Trump. There's a little through line of the concept of, you know, what people call pull yourself up by the bootstraps, but really just Ugh, you can. It's your, you do it. It's you. It's all about you. And I think- Just believe in you. We talked about this recently. But that, um, because that's the very unexpectedly dangerous belief. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent, and you and you never want to take it away from somebody. No, you don't want to who's take it worked away their ass off. Who's like, you know, there are people, there are white men who have, and I'm. This is the one and only time I'm going to say. No, I'm just kidding. You can say like, it as many times. As one, you want. they have that have worked their ass off to get where they are. Oh, this is right. also problem. This is the problem with the term 
privilege, I think, sure. sometimes too, because we look at it like I, I didn't grow up privileged in the in the sense of uh, you know Silver economic spirit. wealth, but I grew up in a community. You know, I grew up in a wealthy area. I went to a great school. I had the privilege. I had the access, the resources, the opportunities. The things that maybe didn't work out for me had nothing to do with the color of my skin. And that's the point, right? It doesn't mean that there aren't loads of, you know, white folks living in poverty, struggling and never getting by, never ever, in, you know, getting above, you know, their the socioeconomic class they were born into, right? It, so that's the trouble, I think, too, with the term privilege it, but that story, which I think is a, you, a very uniquely American story, it seems, or there are uniquely there are unique American flavors to it, and is uniquely surprisingly detrimental to our collective capacity to function, is a very important provocative story of you can you just have to do it yourself or work hard enough. It's up to you. Period. Et cetera. Et cetera. Et cetera. Hey, that's a Connorism right there. Etc. Etc. Is that I do say that? <laughs> you say that a lot, dude. That's almost it's you. It's that and the what's up, guy. Etc. 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 Yeah. Classic. Um, <laughs> but that that is a relevant, and we've come back to it numerous times. I didn't mean to come back to it, but it's come up a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know what we. Again, our, no matter what we change policy wise, that idea that story is gonna have to evolve it's embedded isn't it well it's embedded into a enough a lot of people for now Mm -hmm. yeah um do you understand what i mean by that though totally yeah yeah. yep well can i just say but it speaks to your problem with capitalism it's the same basic kind of problem in fact you, there's a great podcast you should listen to on Throughline. It's an NPR one about this, tracing it all from Calvinism, essentially, and the Protestant work ethic to 2008 to today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and I almost did it again, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But go on. Um, I oh, I kind of forgot where I was going to go with that, but uh, well, it was back uh, tracking to um, the bootstrapping. Um, yeah. Oh, what I was going to say is part of what is going to phase out, uh, is the millennial generation, us, you guys are kind of the boomers of the millennial generation. Uh, I'm kind of the the youngster, (laughs) youngster of the millennial generation, but the millennials represent a certain disconnect from organized religion that previous generations don't have which can be good can be bad it can bring forth a lack of community i will argue that millennials are the most radical generation politically in a collective sense in a non-bad quote radical way since probably i you, you can go back a long time before you could probably come up with a more radical group of of individuals Femin- i think feminist movement or something yeah like I the 20s that- Oh, yeah. Like 1920s, right? Uh, like You're talking about the 60s. I was, yeah. yeah I was thinking the 60s, think but 60s. maybe oh, even prior I meant, to that. I meant the, you know, 1920, or 1990. Well, there were a lot Happen of in time. very... Let's go with 60s, because the 20s was actually filled with some unfortunate details. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, to say the Radicalism least. in the other way, fascism. Yeah. No, I meant 
it's not important, but the yeah. 60s is more relevant. Sure. Know. So go on. Just Still, my point. decades, yeah. My, yeah, po- de- my, yeah, yeah. my point being um, that the invasion, <laughs> I'm using that word, I guess. Oof. The invasion into our and seepage into our collective minds of just like you have to do this because your religion says so. It doesn't happen. You can believe in a religion as a millennial and it's not like you have to do this, this and the other thing and you have to put it on somebody else. It's more like you you're a Christian, you're a Jew, you're a Muslim, you're an atheist. We can all work together for a collective and we understand that we might have differences because it's the same thing. Millennials are more accepting of people in the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. People are more accepting of people of different races than previous generations. Well, so it's a collective. That's what liberalism is. Yeah, I guess it depends on how you define, <laughs> define I think, liberalism. I think the goal of it. It depends. But at its, probably it. at its core. Yeah. Probably at its... Uh, Cool. I'm speaking more to a leftism than a liberalism, I think, because liberalism has more, I think, of emphasis on the individual than what we're talking about. I think in a classical sense. <laughs> no, I mean, I meant it in a classical sense. I think it's what you just defined. I think what you just defined is There's a, a balance classic. between it all. Yeah. yeah An I'm interesting therefore point, pointing too. pointing to the value of liberalism as needed. <laughs> As opposed to everybody has to be essentially in the same, everybody has to fit into a very similar box. I was making, that's the distinction I'm pointing to. Yeah. And there's a very, is a, uh, a tuning, a tuning down of like fundamentalism in religion. And again, like you can believe in yeah. X, Y, or Z and it doesn't have to be forced upon each other. And that's where that like grind, sure. that grinding work ethic you're talking about necessarily. It is, a, it is uniquely American as I think we can all agree. Um, Seems like it. I can't say for sure, having not studied enough of the histories of other countries and how they've arrived at where they are. And being a thorough anthropologist, I can't say for sure, but it seems uniquely American. At least comparing to modern, uh, you know, democracies. Mm -hmm. Um, So just that division of our generation and the following generations being more accepting of that kind of disconnect, like... The individual can have their individual identity, but also as part of the collective. I think it's just, you can see it as Gen X kind of, not so much, but the millennials are bringing that. And that's why the, when the millennials get to leadership, you might see those changes be implemented in a policy. Because you have someone like Lindsay that understands that food insecurity is something that actually can be fixed, rather than saying, well, we can rely upon, you know, our neighborhood church to give food, to, which again, there's nothing wrong with charity, but when you know that there's a solution as we, we do, then you can change it. It just takes the willpower and the knowledge that some of us have. And we would like to spread it to others on different topics, obviously, but that's why you diversify mm-hmm. and have experts in different fields. Experts. Yeah. Well, and diversify. And you tr- <laughs> trust the experts. Yeah, most you know. It's not even worth unpacking because we've already done it, and it's it's not it's sort of pointless to to acknowledge it. But the uh, only because I guess it's there's a hopeful side, I suppose, that I never want to lose. That has me wondering to what extent can everybody essentially, or enough people essentially, kind of 
come to a similar enough, not the same, but a similar enough understanding that is this this mixture, this true melting pot, this true um, really understanding the the biology of diversity, if you will, not the uh, not just the soundbite kind of phrasing. But right now, there's this almost built-in <laughs> fear of fascism across the board because people will say, you know, if you just have everybody doing their own thing, there's a fascistic nature to that. If you have everybody doing the same thing, there's a fascistic nature to that. And it's so silly that we have to even deal with that kind of a tug of war, but we do. And you're not going to be able to avoid that. And it's it's important to go into anything because everything's political with that awareness not to be pointing it out because i think that feeds it but to be aware of it um i just it's i don't it seems like it's not gonna stop soon that tug of war from like a fear of that extreme and that fascism and the fear of that side and that but fascism. can i pose a question i mean yeah we we and i'll again you can include yourself you don't have to we are the radicals and no, I'm, you're not no but we, we're not none of us no but here. what i'm what i'm talking about is i uh, but quotes, what yes but that's what i'm saying i mean this sincerely there are actual fascists on the other side sure. so that's why mm-hmm. it's i reject and i again you're not saying this but the term is co-opted i i think we can agree on that <laughs> yeah it's the same as um yeah, many terms have been co-opted, but I'm pointing to it in like a general sense of like not even realizing that you may have a, if fascistic has any meaning at this point, I guess it just means you're unaware that you're inherently sort of actually operating in a way that is counter to more life. That's actually the best definition. It's not the definition. It's how I perceive it. It's like that's actually a way that eventually would cause, would interrupt more life. That's the reality of the fascistic style it's counter to life <laughs> so it's interesting your your perspective on it is interesting i mean because i think of it as like fascism is is uh, and there's and an anti- life, I'll say. yeah there's good an antithesis life. there to individuality mm-hmm. right because that is what you remove and you follow along with i mean I can't help but historically think of, you know, Italy and Mussolini, but, um, you know, who's just such a famous fascist, but, you know, Hitler as well. And and um, those are just big names to throw around, you know, which I feel a little uncomfortable even doing. But um, it is interesting that, and and are we all doing it? Are we all on both sides doing it to some extent, carrying these, flags, these belief systems that are a part of a bigger belief system. I, it's hard to disagree. I did want to offer hope, though. I don't think, because, no, I don't think we are. I'm saying oh, it's I, easy to point, it's easy for people to argue that the other is doing that. See, it's That's interesting. That's all I'm pointing to. I, I, when you said that, I just thought that is really interesting because we. No, I think the te- the perpet- the potential is there. I'm not saying it's real though. I'm saying the or potential the is there if you're not other. careful. Yeah. yeah, and if you're not careful, you could go there. It's easy to fall into that if you're not careful, no matter who you are, or what you believe. Yeah, it's an interesting perspective. You just have but- to remember that you're. 
part of a whole and you can't have it all figured out. It's the humility and the integrity piece, right. which we could outline even better if we wanted to. With, and I, what I mean by good life and biology is it's as simple as this. Life requires difference, period. As long as you remember that, I think you're going to avoid fascism. <laughs> but on the flip side, yes. You, and that means, of course, don't go all the way to just individualism. You're also negating life in that way, which is, I would say, playfully fascistic. Because mm. therefore you, at the very least, can't get anything done. Yeah, it's just interesting. I, so, I see the, the traces of that and the way that you put it and, and thinking about how both political parties have functioned. I mean, I have to say more so even those that follow Trump and, I, and so I, blindly. And I, of course, believe that too, hence we're... Yeah, right, right. Yeah, no, it just was interesting. You just said it in a way that it changed my perspective a little bit on That's the only because I care about trying to connect. It's in, It was just interesting. I thought it was interesting. So, and I, because I think, because I have humility also, I want to be able to still look at myself and how I participate in the whole and with the whole. If I, too, am going to be critical of one's behavior, I want to make sure that I also point that finger a little bit back at myself. And just be yeah. aware. And I just thought it was interesting. That, I think that's I mean, where I'm coming from, too. Yeah. yeah I just, to avoid hypocrisy. Yeah. And if you catch it, laugh about it and hopefully learn. Yeah. <laughs> and don't, don't do it. That would be the hopeful learning. Did you? Well, I don't agree with your definition of fascism. Yeah. Well, it's a. It's I, I go I've, by the, like, the 20-point. Like, yeah. uh, I mean, the actual def. I mean, and. The, the historical definition of fascism, which is a right-wing extremist nationalist movement that specifically is a populist movement, you know, mm -hmm. that, that whole history, which is why I reject that piece of it. But I, I understand. I do. I mean, frankly. <laughs> uh, no, it's fine. I think it was simplified and then sort of, yeah. But we Like, I, I know what, what you guys are saying. And no, I, you're right. At having, or, and, you know, you should get the hell out of Korea. But um, having or relating <laughs> to extreme right-wing authoritarian no, that's what nationalism yeah. or intolerant views or practices. Um, There's a it whole... begs the question of what the hell does even right-wing mean at this point, though. Sure. And I think we have the ability to be playful with language in a non, um, in a in a in a way that is helpful at this point. And all I was doing, and it's not really that important at this point for whoever's still listening um to say that i think there's a potential to not us and i'm not of course saying it's the norm but there's the potential to again because i care about connecting i want to figure out generally speaking how to connect i can see how somebody could be afraid of that side not conventionally right wing because they can see how, oh, if that goes to a, its extreme, you're going to end up with a kind of um, an ending to newness, is how I would put it. A control, a, a mechanistic um, recycling of their particular nightmare. And I'm trying not to name names because that's cheating. But I think you know some of the people I might be talking about, um, public figures, if you will. <laughs> but regardless of whether you do, it's just a, I can see why people would think that, whether they're right or wrong. And that's what I mean by fascistic, is that it's, it's a word that at this point 
in the with the intention of trying to understand everybody's potential fears, their fear of not having enough, basically. It's a maybe a different way of using the word that is not accurate to the historical context. Correct. <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and I'm agreeing too because but I think it is you could ask what really is the I mean, if you think right and left have an inherently right, wrong, better, or worse tone to them, I think we actually are, then our entire conversation is, is pointless. <laughs> I don't think right and left I know left you don't. Are, yeah. <laughs> Hence, I don't know why fascistic at this point has to be relevant just to right. Well, you just can't be a left-wing fascist. That's what I'm, I'm def, by definition, is what I'm saying. In the strict sense, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's, I know it's, I know it's, you're talking about in the weeds. I'm just saying like, I just, this is how we lose. You end up becoming right wing if you become fascist. Well, you know, you're, you could be an authoritarian leftist. I mean, there's people that are authoritarian leftists like Mao there, but there are, there are libertarian leftists like Gandhi or, you know, I, I, by the definition of like the political compass, I am in a a leftist uh, uh, libertarian. By just taking the test and taking all the different data so points. authoritarian authoritarian is to the left what fascist authoritarian is, to the right. is up yeah libertarian is down and then you have left and right which is about economics right. social policy up and down I know because no one could see me well some people can yeah, see there's me, a but. camera mm-hmm. but what makes fascist other than historical context inherently right so well fascism speak. is a historical ideology I mean it's it okay. is it, it is baked into the time period of the 1920s, 30s, 40s, and then through today. I mean, neo-Nazis exist today. They are fascists. I mean, they're not inherently against individualism. They believe in a collective that is their individual, their collective, their Their box. Yeah. So it's not inherently antithetical to individualism. It's antithetical to differences. So they need a new word for what people are afraid of on the quote-unquote left. They need a better word. We They're need afraid of authoritarianism. People are afraid of authoritarianism. But that's up, you said. Which is what, what I'm saying. But, but what I'm saying is authoritarianism can be right wing or left wing. Oh, okay. You could, But authoritarian on the right is a fascist. That's what I'm trying to say. Authoritarian on the left is technically you could be a communist or you could be there's a, there's a million different there's a million different vari, varieties of leftist ideology, which right. makes it more complicated. And I'm going to be knowingly provocative and knowing we're probably going to go to bed soon and say that it's all right and it's all correct on some level because you need authority it's just a question of what is enough you need everybody to have something in common it's just a question of what is enough you need your freedom to be yourself just what is enough it's all correct it's just a question of how much which is the nuance you need a kitchen (laughs) and you need a fridge and you need a pantry but what is enough hopefully Mm-hmm. You need a garden, but what is enough? Yeah. We need or want, yeah. I think gardens are necessary. I do I mean, too. Somebody better have one. I do too. <laughs> Your I neighbor better too. have one. Mm-hmm. Or a farm. Or a farm, even better. Yeah, well, it's just a bigger garden, really. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, otherwise, back to that people blaming monocultures and monocropping. And oh my gosh, that's a whole other. It's not Maybe a really, whole other, though, we'll hold other podcast. That, to use Connor's clarifications there, that's fascism. That's a fascistic way of um, 
you, you work being in relationship with that which we rely on the most. I don't know what monocropping is, so you explain, and hopefully, I can try to unpack what I just said. <laughs> well, I think so. Well, uh, you know, mono means single, right? So it's using it's um, growing one crop, okay. you know, in a large um, plot. Yeah, in a large plot or farm. So the problem with monoculture cropping is that it encourages new pests or pest problems. Um, there is a better soil uh, fertility and carbon sequestration when you turn um, over. When you turn over, but while you so you so when you um, use diversified crop uh, production systems, so poly, yeah, perma diversity, biodiversity, yeah, poly or like polycropping poly, yeah, poly. versus if you want to be just totally opposite, you know, polycropping. So you're using companion planting, but monoculture cropping doesn't mean that you can't do some of these other, um, you know, benefits to the soil, but right. That purely it's no, I think it growing does, one. I think we've proven that you can't, you have to cheat. Well, you have, you have to use poison, what we call pesticides. You right, have to you, control it. And eventually you're going to kill life. Yeah. Likely largely. Microorganisms yes. will not exist eventually. Yes. Yes. There are uh, organic agriculture isn't in itself always sustainable or regenerative. So I, I was trying to uh, allude to the nuance. You were but being more diplomatic. I, I was. I just uh, said, screw it. I, yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. Monoculture cropping gets soybeans and corn out of here. They're destroying the soil. We feed them to animals. Well, to they require chemical extent? inputs. Yeah, it's just scale. They poison water. I just went there. So we can make stew or a whole soup rather than just making corn. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> I mean, I like popcorn. This is though. why people blame grains. This is why people blame things like high fructose corn syrup. Yards mm -hmm. actually is a the yard is an example of a mono crop. But yeah. mm -hmm. Lindsay was because grass. Were, yes. Yeah, well, it wouldn't grow if you didn't make it grow that way. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't grow that way. And I appreciate your being diplomatic, and you you do that much better than both of us, and certainly in general, <laughs> Connor. But no. it's the balance. You do it and everything. You maintained it very gracefully, and Thank I you. think at this point, given how late it is, and my we've talked about food so much, and I I'm, I feel very passionate about growing food, and not as much as maybe you, and because you're literally more involved on a day to day basis, but. Um, just as like a, like what we need to probably be Let's, more engaged in as a collective, I care tremendously, and I think mono cropping is it fairly factually destructive from a long term standpoint. Short term, of course, people need to eat, so we have to consider that. But long term, if you're going to end the potential for actual life, which is rooted in the soil, which has microorganisms, which all and and mycelium, which seems factual which is why I was calling it fascistic. Um, we better respect that on a long-term basis or end up with interstellar to say the least. And I can explain what I mean by that, but it's not that important. But uh, Is that the movie you're yeah, talking about? I, yeah. Well, I have not seen that movie Probably either. the scariest movie, really. That's the one with Matt made. Damon? Uh, no, but he, well, he actually is in it, but that's The Martian you're probably thinking. Oh, that's okay, sorry. He is sorry. in that too though, but funny enough, no, it's um, <laughs> Matthew McConaughey, know. similar. Oh, Matt, I don't know. A Matt. Hmm. everything it's just a like the dust bowl on stair uh, everywhere don't and treat your soil like dirt 
It's one of our favorite sayings in ag. There you go. Don't, don't, uh, yeah, it's Fred Kirshenman, I should credit, but don't treat your soil like dirt. Um, I'm not the first one to have said this. All I'm pointing out is mm-hmm. what I think ex- is extremely important and in the essence of somatic education. There's a like in or like out, or there's a microcosm, macrocosm. The body as an inherent ecosystem and all of Earth as an ecosystem and everything in between, the scale of a small-scale forest or yard to your own um, gut flora. And you need diversity. And without it, I think... And if you're unintentionally or intentionally negating the need for diversity, I'm calling that fascistic. So monocropping, to me, is a... Whether it's on purpose or not, it has a... (laughs) A negation of more life built into it. I don't mind going on the record for that at this point. It seems, mm-hmm. you know, from the David Suzuki's of the world to you know, the Leonardo DiCaprio's and everyone in between, there's a proof in the pudding at this point. But where would we go with that? <laughs> We're all connected. Basically. Which is the it only is. way I think to actually have a integrity is to know that. Yeah. To know that, not just think that. Which actually, yes, thank you. That's pretty much what that meant. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hmm. The music got louder. Yeah, it did. It did. <laughs> I hope they invite us. I mean, we should just pop over. I'm going to bed. You got to get up earlier than me. Can't wait. Going to be slinging some pie at uh, the Doylestown Farmer's Market. I know you looked at the clock. You know what time it is. Um, it's almost. I do. Yeah, it's almost 10 o'clock. I do. It is late. It's late o'clock. For us kiddos. Yeah, we should wrap it up. The boomers. Boomers. Thank you, yeah. Connor. You beat me to it. You put yeah. your leg down, which indicates something. I'm just moving different positions because it's a little. Uh, Increasing circulation. There's no, uh, support there under my knee. So it kind of like. We should have grabbed your no, 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 no. It's I'm used to it being up all day. So, well, what do you think? I think you have you ever is this new a new kind of experience for you? Yeah, somewhat. Yeah. I've been on two other. I did a, a podcast in grad school and uh, as part of a project, but I was on another podcast um, for a friend of mine who's a medium. So a bit different. Who's that? <laughs> content. Like a oh, medical my. medium or? No, not, no. <laughs> like a ghost medium? Like, <laughs> yes. I didn't laugh when I did. Yes. Um, he is I an, can laugh. He's an amazing gonna, human. I'm not going to vote for you. That's okay. You asshole. You're the worst. You're the okay. worst. I was trying to help you. <laughs> God. It was the medium population is growing in it was, County. It was awesome. <laughs> he's he's a good, he's a friend of mine and he used to come into my business and um he's read read me before and it was um quite remarkable. Anyway, I did his podcast once and it was really fun. Who is this? <laughs> I'm curious as to like what Ar- they Armand read. Ad- Armand Adigi. He's in uh, out in New Jersey, but he travels everywhere. Oh, he's, so he can't vote for me anyway. Yeah, no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, but now for sure. Everyone else, everyone else, he would not. Everyone else, you just defended a while. Um, he's really, he's really cool. It was really neat. Did he experience. actually like say? Did he actually? Like, he literally came into I. So I previously owned a a healthy cafe in New Jersey. If oh, folks yeah. listening that were friends. 
of mine know that, but um, I was at the counter and I'd never met him before. He walked in and he was like, your mother passed away, right? Not to open up a whole can of worms right now, but like, yeah, she is coming to me. I'm a medium. I'm sorry. I don't know your name, but, and so then just from there, talked about her with like this dog and like she had this dog. Anyway, it was, um, it, it was awesome. It was really cool. It was wild. And, uh, we stayed friends and he came and he did a bunch of, um, group readings at my cafe. He, uh, yeah, it's kind of a neat. But now I see this tarot reader in New Hope. So, oh guys, I'm covered. Don't worry about it. I got this. I got my crystals and. Crystals are fine. I'm solid. But I got crystals for both of you guys, actually. I just haven't given them to you yet. Well, Connor, <laughs> <laughs> you, you did get down on one knee and I saw you privately do it. You know, you looked up and you. You whispered a prayer to Thor before getting on the show. So I think you need to be a little generous and, and cut the bullshit. Okay? Yeah. I, I got <laughs> like, you a bloodstone bracelet, by the way. A blood eagle? Yeah. It's a blood eagle, I mean, right. If you're gonna if you're gonna have this obsession with Norse mythology, you need to grant it's, people the freedom. It's not to, an obs- it's not an obsession. It's just a light it, light it's interest. About, it's about freedom. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. You can spend your money how you like. I'm just saying. It's not an obsession, Lindsay. <laughs> you guys haven't even seen my comic collection. This is. Oh, we've seen. This was being of it, recorded, <laughs> just as a reminder. This was recorded. I, I think, this was wonderful. I could see. Actually, I wasn't sure if it would. Um, makes sense to but unpacking this a lot more your food really piece i'd love to talk about it more yeah, at some point. there's a lot more to it i think you were already fairly well known to people but now maybe there's more maybe we've turned under maybe we've turned over some you know there's no stone left unturned maybe, maybe. you can have Lindsay on and not listen to me ramble on i didn't say that connor okay it's understood <laughs> <laughs> we got a couple new voters here Connor, maybe. this is solid. Maybe, except for the mediums. Yeah. Although the, you did mediums. maybe save yourself by acknowledging that you're okay with crystals. I'm okay with mediums having crystals, healthcare, <laughs> and having a retirement <laughs> and uh, access to oh my gosh. a clean environment. You're amazing. Amen. And on that note, shall we go to bed? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It was a pleasure, guys. Sleeping bags are in the back. Sounds Let's do good. it. <laughs> Well, there you have it. So that was good. That was fun. Vote O'Hanlon November 2nd for tax collector, Democrat tax collector. Do it. Do it. Do it now. Do it. And um, hey, here's a fun little piece to end on. Netflix now has Seinfeld. How about that? Let's let's uh, let's do a little soundbite at the risk of getting sued. So, look at that, Netflix. It's got Seinfeld. I don't know if you could have heard that, but I heard it. Uh, that's fun. They haven't had that. I don't know if they've ever had it, but that's fun. You know, that's a good show. Remember, though, you know, there was this thing called September 11th, and uh, 
don't get too caught up in the nostalgia train because we got to move forward. All right. On that note, I got to go eat. Thank you. Ta-ta for now. Be well.